oh my what's God. wrong here? And they're like, well, she's a convert. It, it doesn't count. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what? It's so it's not just a matter of, and I do, by the way, I do want to end up uh, getting to where, like, I describe to you what exactly Judaism is because we can, because we need to break it down to, like, a religion of philosophy and all those other things. But in the context of the story, they're just like, yeah, no, you know, this person's not Jewish and, and that's that. And they just really, like, my brother um, got invited to a Navy ball by a girl that he was hanging out with in high school, and he was told, like, he couldn't go to it because she wasn't Jewish and it was inappropriate. And so it was just a, such a fine line distinction that I was like, I hate this. Like, I don't like being divided from people like this. I don't like being pushed to identify with, like, da, 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 da. like it's just not me. Like, I'm an artist. These are the things I like. Like, it just so felt very forced. Were, were you not yeah. able to, like, go to the school dances and stuff like that just because it's hard to find somebody? Um, I didn't really go to school dances because I would play, like, Dungeons and Dragons with my friends and do nerdy stuff. So, I mean, it didn't matter anyway. But it was more so just the just the culture or, like, things I wanted to eat. I didn't go to Burger King or, you know, like, it was just every aspect of your life. Like, what what I wore, who I was friends with, what I studied, like, just so much was so controlled. And I was just like, I can't do this. Okay, so, and on top of that, so you're getting to the yeah. point where you're starting to kind of rebel a little bit. I want to know, how did your parents react? Was it bad? Well, I'll get to this. So when I was 17, I remember when I was 17, I made up my mind and I thought, you know what? I've been praying to God forever. I haven't been hearing anything. And it wasn't like I was praying for something in particular. I was just like, this is feeling very just inorganic after a while. And I'm like, I think I'm an atheist. Like, I think I just don't believe in this religion. It feels weird to me. And I think I'm an atheist. So I went to my parents and I said, hey, listen, like, I'm really sorry, but I think I'm an atheist. And my parents are like, you know, we're going to set you straight. You need to talk to a rabbi. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, I don't think talking to a rabbi is really going to help. Because a lot of times when when I, you know, in middle school and stuff, when people would ask rabbis philosophical questions, they would just, like, respond with a bunch of metaphors. <clears throat> it wasn't particularly helpful. Um, so I just, I was really depressed for a while because I thought, well, I'm an atheist. I don't really know anyone to talk to. And at the time... Um, so I was born in 86, so at the time in high school, at least, and my parents were, or my family was a bit behind technology-wise, I didn't have a cell phone, I didn't have my own computer, so I didn't have access to all this information I have access to now, so just keep that in mind, so, like, how, I was how pretty about, isolated. How about before, before this went down, living in New York, did, did you experience any anti-Semitism or any bullying because you were Jewish? Um... I didn't. I really didn't. And New York, I would say, is a pretty diverse place where, like, it, it generally wasn't. Although, so I didn't. And at the same time, just like I said, it's hounded in the back of your mind that you're always a victim and that people hate you and are out to get you. So just, like, be on the lookout for that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But I personally never experienced any kind of discrimination because of that. But like I had mentioned, too, I started questioning my faith. I started questioning my identity. I was kind of like, this doesn't feel right to me. And then eventually after um, <clears throat> senior year of, so I got a job. My mom got me a job senior year of high school where 
she got me a job at Spirit Halloween where I got to stand outside and be in a costume. And I was like, okay, it's super easy. And I just, sometimes I was on the sales floor, like, cleaning up or this stuff like that. And that was my first job ever. And I just turned 18. This story is going to, like, go off the rails a little bit. But this is just how my life went. So one day, I'm standing outside in my costume. I have, like, uh, a sorceress costume on, standing outside, holding a sign, kind of bored. People throwing things at me. They laugh, whatever. And this guy comes up to me, this random guy on the street, like, comes up to me, and he's like, hey, I don't know you, I just thought I had to talk to you, like, here's my phone number, walked away, and I was kind of freaked out and nervous, so I'm like, ah, okay, and, uh, I contacted him, and we were chatting, like, via email, <laughs> um, I had a landline to call him, but we were chatting via email mostly, and instant messenger, AOL instant messenger, so it's like, gives you an idea of the time frame of how long ago this was, um, which I would use, like, the family computer because I didn't have my own. And we'd chat for a while. We'd hang out and stuff. And this went on for a few months, and I would, like, sneak out to go see him and, and stuff like that. And at some point, uh, and he had introduced me to two things. So where I'm going with this is, like, he introduced me to David Icke. He introduced me to Alex Jones, like, a lot of other stuff. So that's where I'm headed. But at some point, I told my parents, like, look, I've been seeing someone for a while, you don't know him. I don't want to be religious anymore. Like, I can't. I can't do this. I'm like, you guys need to back off. Like, I just cannot do all these things. So you, you, you know? really liked him, and he was kind of getting you to question things. And this is when you you really decided to put your foot down with mom and dad. Well, so I was questioning things before I met him. And when I met him, I thought he was really special because I identified as an atheist, and he was an atheist. And I was like, oh, my God. I don't know any other atheist. I don't know anyone else who, like, questions religion or anything. Like, this is insane to me. And there was no other resources for me at the time. And uh, I, at that point, I'm like, I just can't live a double life anymore. Like, I can't keep my head down and just be told what to do and stay where I am. I can't grow. Like, I just knew, I'm like, this isn't right for me. So I told my parents, listen, I've been seeing someone for a while. You don't know them. And... I can't do this anymore. Like, you need to back off or I'm going to move out. And this was when I was, eight, like, 18. And by the way, and all my other siblings totally, you know, identified as a religion, didn't rebel against it. So I didn't I didn't have, it wasn't like I could go to my siblings. I would tell them, like, I had issues uh, or that I didn't believe in something, but they'd be like, oh, just, you know, get along, try not to accept the status quo, whatever. They just had their own stuff going on. Um. But I was the only one who was like, I'm an atheist. So I told them, you need to back off or I'm going to move out. And they kept pushing and they ended up calling the police. And they're like, our daughter's seeing this person. We don't know. What do we do? And I asked the police officer when I was 18 years old, I said, hey, can I can I move out? And he said, no, you can't. And I said, but I'm 18 years old. Like, aren't I the age of majority? Like, can I legally move out? And at the time, by the way, I was a status. Like, I didn't know anything about it anarchy or whatever um and I was raised pretty much as like a democrat in terms of my political leanings and he was like no you can't move out you have to stay I was like fuck you know and I just I ended up I I told the guy that I was seeing I'm like listen this is really getting hard with my parents I can't take it anymore like what should we do and he's like if it's really that bad he's like listen you know I'll pretty much you can stay with me and I was like okay and I grabbed my shit one day, and I left. That was it. And my mom tried to stop me, and I said, 
I'm not staying here. And I left. And I haven't, by the way, I have not moved home ever since. Like, since 18, was out. <laughs> I've, you know, lived out of house since. But anyway, and it was really, really hard because I was living with this person that I, I had only known for a few months. And it was overwhelming for me. Super, I was super depressed. Didn't have anyone to talk to. I had friends, but they, like, didn't understand what I was going through. Anyone, my guidance counselor, anyone I had talked to where I said, hey, you know, my family's super strict and religious and it's not working for me. What do I do? They're just like, well, just stay home. Your parents love you and blah, blah. And, like, I believe that they did, that they were trying to do what they thought was the right thing. But for me, it just wasn't. And did your guidance, parents, did they talk a lot about Israel? Uh, yeah, like my grandpa marched in the Israeli Day Parade, you know, every, um, I think it's, I think it's Passover where you say like the prayer, you know, next year in Israel and it, they did talk a lot about Israel and they, they were big Democrats and they pretty much like believed in the political system and yeah, they just, you know, it was, it was seen as like an ideal as like, Oh, it's the Jewish home state, blah, blah. Yeah, Israel kind of, <laughs> I, I mean, it's kind of a given, like, because you're talking about growing up in a Jewish household, uh, because Israel's yeah. is seen as kind of like the beacon of hope for the Jewish faith. So it's it's brought up a lot, well, I think. my parents actually trying to move there. That was going to be my next from... question. Was, did anybody try to move to Israel or tell you to move to Israel or your brother or anything yes. like that? Okay. Yes, yes, I'll get there. Um... My dad was born there, but temporarily, and came to the U.S., so, like, basically his mom had him there, and then came to the U.S. and had dual citizenship. My, and then my parents met in New York. But, basically, they wanted to move there when I was, like, one years old, and live there permanently, but they couldn't, they couldn't hack it, so to speak, because my mom barely knew Hebrew, the culture was way different than they thought it was going to be. Things were so much more expensive. Like, it's so romanticized. And then they try to, like, go do the right thing and live there and stuff. And they're like, no. <laughs> so they moved back. And I'm so glad that they did. One of my sisters does live in Jerusalem with her kids. And, like, that's what she does. She's an Orthodox Jew. And that's what she identifies with and loves. I, I actually personally don't know whether she loves the state or not. But she's there. I mean, and I have done birthright, which is that free trip to Israel that you do if, you know, you say you're Jewish and you go and blah, blah, oh, blah. Oh, you've been to Israel? I've been to oh, Israel, Oh, wow. Yeah. What was that like? <clears throat> that was, I think it was 2012, which, by the way, I'm skipping ahead a little bit on our timeline, but 2012, I did end up going to Israel because my friend's mom was like, well, Rachel, you know, if if you were raised Jewish and stuff, you might as well go do the free trip. And I was like, because I avoided it for a long time, because I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want them to try to, like, suck me back in and try to convince me to go to this stupid timeshare. And and she's like, but if you did your time, you know, you should get your free trip. I'm like, okay, fine. So I went with Israel Outdoors, which is, like, a less religious organization and more, like, sports, you know, outdoors-oriented. And... It was. It felt very much like a timeshare. Like you do something fun, and then they would give you something really scary. They'd be like, "Here's Palestinian bombs that were thrown at us. Here's like a little case, and here's their shell casing, blah blah. And let's go float in the Dead Sea, or let's go ride a camel." They'd be like, 
you know, you know, Israel needs all the help it can get. And that's gonna and I kinda just maintained myself where I was just in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, it's like this is all propaganda. And at that time I was still a statist, by the way. I wasn't like pro Israel or anything. I just was like, I'm just doing this for the free trip and experience because I did my time right. And that was twenty twelve. But I'm skipping ahead. Um anyway, so this guy I was with told me about Alex Jones, told me about uh David Icke, and I was reading trying to think of I think it was the Matrix book he wrote. I can't remember the name of it. Oh Children of the Matrix. Children of the Matrix. Yeah, I think so. And it has like reptilians and stuff on the cover if I recall. That's like his best book. That's like that's like the one that I read. So here's so here's the really, really tough thing was I went from being religious and identifying to it to being an atheist to sort of being with someone who was like, okay, if you were to ask me now, I could say like, there's some things I agree with David Icke about, some things I don't. Alex Jones is a shill, and like, I could I could give you a better perspective on a lot of things. So the guy I was with was a really, really, really undeniably intelligent person, but kind of fell for some of the bullshit that we know about today. And this was, I'm trying to think of what year this was. This would have been, like, maybe 2005 or so. <clears throat> so this was, like, long before Alex Sure. Did. If you go back that far, like, I, I mean, I was a fan of Alex Jones back then. Like, even yeah. as soon as, like, 2012, I was super into David Icke, super into Alex Jones. So, you know, I was right there with him. Um, I was really into yeah. those two. And, and they were kind of the ones that, you know, like you – got me kind of started, got me started <laughs> on this stuff. And, you know, there are many layers to it. I'm probably just, like, so down the rabbit hole at this point that I'm just completely insane. So, well, you know, I can't really speak I, to <laughs> – go ahead. No, sorry, I mean to cut you off. And I cough occasionally. I'm sorry. It's because I got over being sick several times this, this year, unfortunately. Um, I'll get there in a second. So just understand that timeline. of And, and here's when he was listening to Alex Jones. It was when – Obama was president, and he said that Obama was a socialist that was going to take our guns, and it was also during the SARS outbreak. And he would tell me, so my ex would tell me that we were going to be put in FEMA camps. So he believed, like, everything. And you you and I know, like, Alex Jones was right about some things. Other things were obviously hyped. Now we know he's pretty much like a show for Israel, so to speak. I'm not, I'm not saying he hasn't done any good, but, like, a lot of people were great and then kind of, got worse over time or unreliable now but back in the day yeah he was one of the main sources that anyone would listen to so just understand where i was coming from to suddenly like david like alex jones totally radically different and i read david like and i was like fascinated but overwhelmed because i was like whoa this is interesting all this stuff about the government i don't know how i feel about reptilians i was like i don't really know what to do the problem with me at the time i was like i don't know what to do with this information and I don't have anything to compare it to. And the hilarious thing, something that I super, super regret, was I remember, like, Googling one time or something, looking up David Icke stuff, and I think there was a link to Mark Passio's website at whatonearthishappening.com. And I went to – are you familiar with Mark Passio? Yeah, yeah, that, and that's, like, kind of a logical next step after Icke because he goes a little bit um, – I wouldn't say it's deeper, but he's got his own sort of perspective on things. I feel – the trajectory would actually be Mark Passio and then Alex, or sorry, Mark Passio and then uh, 
like David Icke or something like that rather than the reverse. But anyway, I went from David Icke stuff to looking at Mark Passio's webpage. Now, here's the thing. I pulled up his webpage and I was like, who? Who's this Mark Passio? What is this? What on earth is happening? And there was a little picture of something called fake ass Christians on it. And it had like this image of a demon on there. And I just got freaked out. Not because I'm a wuss and I'm like, oh, demons, but because I was like, this looks so weird and satanic. And so I didn't go through the information enough. Like, I regret it so, so much because I saw that image and I'm like, this must be some satanic website. And so I skipped over it and I didn't go through the podcast. And I was like, because now I'm super into Mark's work. I don't agree with everything he says, but it's it's just a really fantastic compilation of knowledge that would have been so incredibly helpful and also helped me debunk a lot of, like, the pseudo-truth shill information. So I super, super, super regret that, you know, and it's crazy that I saw, like, Mark's webpage and then would see it again like over 10 years later or something, bananas. Uh, but that's just how it went down. And I was freaked out because I was with a guy who was just constantly one day to the next. So he was smart, but he would also kind of like follow up Jones who, who just sort of uh, plays up everything in the media. So one week he'd be like, look, we're going to be put in FEMA camps. The next week he'd be like, we have to get mess. We're going to get SARS. And I was just like freaked out all the time. And I didn't know what to do. And we moved to Indiana because he wanted to go get his PhD in organic chemistry. And I was like, I need to get the fuck out of New York. Can I swear? On this show? Yes. We are uncensored. We're just on the internet. There's uh, the fuck, fuck, fuck ass dick cunt. There, I got all the way. Now you're free to just <laughs> be as vile as you want. You just hogged all the good ones. <laughs> oh, um, there's still a couple in right. there. Well, get, get creative. <laughs> So I, I basically, like, I wanted to get out of New York, right? I wanted to restart my life, and I was super depressed. And things with this guy were going weird. And I was like, I can't go back to my family. I can't continue the way the things are. I don't know what to do. And, like, older me didn't exist to help younger me get through all this random information, which would have been really helpful. So <laughs> it is what it is. And we, we moved to Indiana, and I was working in a retirement home as a dietary aide, and I was like, trying to start my life over with this David Icke information. Like, I would read that at the retirement home, and then I'd be like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then uh, eventually, like, I after four years of being in that relationship, I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I broke up, moved out. I had restarted college, you know. I was uh, I went to school for illustration and at a really great college and Indiana was a much better place. It was slower paced, um, cheaper cost of living, really nice people. So it was a wonderful place for me to kind of like start my life over. And during college, unfortunately I went to a liberal arts, uh, part of the school, but in addition to my illustration classes, they're like, no, you have to take, you can't get a BFA. You have to get a BA. You have to take all these other supplementary courses. I'm like, why I'm paying for it. And they're like, you're going to have to take a language and you're going to have to take a history and you're going to have to take a, you know, a social studies. You're going to, I'm like, what? They're like, that's how it is here. I'm like, okay. So I took like women's studies classes and I was like, oh my God, these are so amazing. And I learned like all this history and stuff. 
and so, just there's so many themes throughout all these history classes and stuff where you're like the U.S. is an evil empire and you know feminism is this wonderful women's movement that gave us all these rights thank goodness and and just like all the Prussian uh, school system Marxist cultural stuff which operates by there's kernels of truth and things like I do I do believe in uh, equal opportunity for people but I don't believe in like social engineering to try to make that outcome so like you know, they just they just take like certain principles of things and twist it. Yeah, we got we gotta have something like equal opportunity. I mean, <laughs> if they didn't have some sort of um, what was it called? They just they, affirmative action. They would have been really hard for certain people, you know, well, black people, to get any sort of <laughs> job. But then it's like they started to kind of go too far with it. So it's like it, that makes sense. There's some truth there, but these things can go too far too. That's how I feel about it, anyways. Okay. So that being said, they never talk about anything regarding economics, the free market, or alternative solutions to things. Like I took a public policy 101 class, and they don't talk about alternatives outside the government system, which gave us Jim Crow in the first place. So it's like they talk about law, <coughs> excuse me, as always a solution. They they never um, mention anarchy or how money really works, the Federal Reserve, or any of that. Like, all that information is just kind of kept away. There's a wonderful source. I think the guy's name is John Taylor Gatto. And he was a, a teacher in the New York school system who wrote many books about how the school system is designed to dumb people down. And that is, unfortunately, absolutely true. And for me, I always want to be a good student. Like, in high school, I took AP Bio, AP History, AP. Like, I wanted to get good grades, good grades, good grades. And I was told, like, you have to, even though, like, I was a female, my parents were very much, like, temple and academics. You have to get good grades. You have to go to school. You have to go to college. And I was part of the generation. Um, I'm at the, like, I'm still considered a millennial, but I was part of the generation where, like, you have to go to, like, doesn't matter what you go to college for. You just have to go to college, and that's why I went to school. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, hearing your story, um, one thing that sticks out is you seem to me like somebody that, doesn't like being forced to do anything. I'm I'm kind of the same <laughs> way. Like you're you're being told you you got to believe this. You got to go to school. You got to do this. Yeah. I had the same problem with school. I felt like it was making me stupider. The only thing that it taught me what to do <laughs> is how to take orders, how to be part of the system, how to submit, how to obey. Otherwise, there's various consequences if you don't sit there at your desk and just freaking listen and act like a robot. And that that always was unsettling to me. And I, I was always a smart guy. I didn't do that great in school. I mean, I did okay, but I, I just never could get into it because I hated being forced to do anything. Well, I, I will give the caveat, though, that my parents were very supportive of me taking art. They were never like, oh, you have to do something practical. You can do art if that's really what you want to do, if you're an artist and blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't like I didn't get to have anything to myself at all. But it was more of, okay, if you're going to do this, you still need to work at it, blah, blah. I've always been a workaholic. And the academic system, by the way, on average, is generally designed more for women than it is for men, the way that they teach it. And um, I think now there's even more women in colleges than men because it it is a system where you really can't stand out. You really can't act out. You can't, like, <clears throat> have a lot of energy and be aggressive or, you know, um, you have to be good at taking orders, and I agree with you. It's really more of an obedience, propagandist education system. It's really not about learning or knowledge. Um, there's such things like the trivium is totally removed. 
the Socratic method, talking about logical fallacies. Philosophy in of itself is kind of bastardized. Like, yes, you can go to school for philosophy, but <clears throat> the general antiquity, right? The things that got us so far as a species is just like totally removed. Uh, it's just an empty vessel. Yeah, to, in a way, they're kind of teaching yeah. us all Marxism. In a way. No, not in a way. That is what they're teaching you. I, no, I totally it, agree. I see what you're saying. It's like yeah. they're not saying it, but the way that things are presented, it is pretty much that. Yeah. And I'm the person, like, I don't like to be told what to do. That doesn't mean I rebel against everything willy-nilly. It's more like I'm the kind of person, I research something, I get inspired, I start trying to work on it and make a project or something like that. Like, I naturally just kind of govern myself. That's just kind of, like, who I've always been. I've always been a creative, independent person with a lot of questions. And I'm very analytical. And nobody could tell me shit. Nobody can answer my questions. Nobody, like, gave me an explanation of why we were doing half the things that we are doing. So I, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, it was so smart. I, like, figured it out. I, I didn't. It's just more of, um, I do want to preface, by the way, that when I was an atheist, like I mentioned, I'm agnostic now, I really felt like we had all the answers. I believed in the Big Bang Theory and evolution and everything. And I, I just believed in the one-size-fits-all scientific materialistic worldview. So for me, I felt like I already had a lot of answers to a lot of things. So there was stuff like people couldn't tell me what is meaningful or whatever. But I thought in terms of the old age questions of how we got here and why we're here and blah, blah, I thought that was like kind of, all resolved. If that makes any sense. So uh, I graduated college and I moved back to New York, not in the home state, but in Long Island, because my brother-in-law started an engineering company and he's like, hey, we need someone to do drafting. You can come in. We'll, we'll teach you how to use AutoCAD, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, I'll do that. Um, and I was a democratic socialist and I thought I had most things figured out. And I didn't pay much attention to, like, what David Icke was doing or Alex Jones or this or that. I kind of, like, left that all behind, in a sense, and kind of forgotten about that. Uh, then a couple years later, so I was, like, working, going to um, music festivals, and I went to Burning Man in 2009, by the way. Sorry, I went a little backwards. I had a body painting internship, uh, which is cool. So I got a free ticket to go, and I was like, blah. I was kind of a little bit like a hippie. Did you take LSD when you went to Burning Man? No, I didn't, because I was too square. I smoked weed, but I didn't take LSD. Oh, there I was you like, go. You're not, you're not that square if you did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying I didn't do LSD. Like, and people just walk around. They're like, hey, you want to? Um, and I was always into art, creativity, and free spirit in that sense. So a couple years later, the 2016 election rolls around, and I'm a big Bernie supporter, right? He's seen all the things that resonate with me. I've always said been a workaholic. I paid my own way. Now in college, like for instance, I graduated with no debt because I got grants and a scholarship and stuff. And I worked for that scholarship. But uh, I also, you know, worked part time for the student paper doing graphic design. I cleaned people's houses on Craigslist for $10 an hour. Like I worked my way through school. I didn't know at the time, by the way, that grants were basically based on theft through taxation and stuff like that and, and social programs. Like I didn't know that the time, but um, I graduated with, with no debt, and I had work to support myself and also to support my rent. Like, I lived off campus. 
I waited a year to get in-state tuition. I did everything I could think of to, like, not, you know, graduate with debt. Anyway, but everything Bernie Sanders said resonated with me. I'm like, yeah, and I was always an empathetic person. I was like, I always want to help people. You know, I, I, I want to help poor people. Yes, yeah, this billion, you know, millionaire class that's oppressing us and women are oppressed, all these ideas, right? Like, that's who I was. And I, by the way, I personally identified with a lot of my beliefs. I didn't quite understand the distinction between who I was as a person and what I believed and how that could be different, which is a big problem for a lot of people. But I'll get to that. So anyway, um, 2016 election rolled around. I was big into a person named Debbie from uh, the same progressive. Have you heard of her? I'm not familiar with her. So she was like a person known as a progressive or whatever. And I'm trying to think of how this went down. Her and I, so she was just like someone I knew online that would do like content about uh, progressive politics. So we should probably explain this real quick because not everybody's okay. going to be quite up to legal. So progressive, like if you look at the Democratic Party and <laughs> a lot of the people in that party, consider themselves to be progressives and progressive kind of means socialism is kind of like a code word for it so when she's talking about progressives she's kind of talking about those type of people i have that right don't i okay yes so i was trying to be philosophically consistent when i voted democrat so i was like okay if the democrats really stand for all these social programs i'm going to be a democratic socialist also known as a progressive right that's the philosophical, it's a wrong philosophy, but that's the consistent conclusion. And there's that whole fake struggle, whatever, within the Dem spectrum where people say, oh, anyone who isn't a progressive, you're not a real Dem, you're a central Dem, you're a Republican, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that's how that hierarchical nature thing goes. So Debbie would produce videos and stuff, and I saw Bernie Sanders get screwed out of the election, right? I was not a fan of Hillary. I didn't think it was St. Hillary. I thought the email scandal was really weird. I thought it was weird that she had this, like, souped-up server. And I was like, what the hell is that? And all this stuff about security. I'm like, what is going on? And then the big thing was, so seeing Bernie get screwed out of the election, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. My party isn't that great. What is going on, right? I, I saw Bernie kowtow to Hillary. So it was like everyone who wanted to vote for Bernie, he was like, oh, by the way, just just vote for Hillary. I was like, what is going on, right? And the WikiLeaks emails came out. And so many things changed because the WikiLeaks emails came out and I read them. And my world imploded. <laughs> this is like the least, right? Like, I was just like, who is Moloch? And, and first I was like, this is what the Democratic Party really thinks of us. They talk about really derogatorily their voters as demographics, they really don't give a shit. They're like, oh, Bernie's allegedly an atheist. We're going to attack him this way and blah, blah. I was like, wow, these people are just awful. And then they mentioned things like sacrificing chickens to Moloch. I'm like, I, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, what is that, right? And uh, eventually, I became really disillusioned with government and the system. Once I saw Bernie's get screwed over and I saw those WikiLeaks emails, I was like, holy shit, this system is done. And I went from being a democratic socialist to being an anarchist. Like, I didn't stop at libertarian or central or whatever. I just went right over. So I was like, this is basically a scam. 
and other weird stuff started happening. So, for instance, uh, there was, like, the Vegas shooting. And I saw that online, like, sort of, like, videos of that in real time. And Debbie would break it down and stuff. And there was a lot of weird stuff going on. This was the Route 66 Harvest Festival, I believe, that was, uh, like, a music country festival. Are you yeah, still with me? Yeah, country music, yeah. Yeah, so I started following that, and I'm like, hey, this is weird. And by the way, I did forget to mention, this is Pibble, as soon as I read the WikiLeaks emails, as soon as I saw something was weird, I knew what I had to do. I was like, I have to go online and research 9-11. I'm like, I have to. Like, all this stuff is weird. I'm like, I, I got to go to the I gotta go to the start, man. We're still, in, we're still in uh, 2016. Yeah, but I was like, I have to... Yes, we're still in 2016. When 9/11 happened, I was a, I was like in high school, and they turned it, they turned like the video on in our classroom so everyone could see it of like the second plane hitting the building. And you and were, was, you were in New York when it happened. I was, but I was in uh, like Western New York. I wasn't anywhere near Manhattan when it happened, but they just like it, it was a really big, it was a moment in time. It was a big deal. I, one of my classmates said he lost his uncle. Uh, I think from one of the buildings, like it was, it was a a weight on New York. Like it was <laughs> bad isn't even the right word, obviously, but it it was just like a shift. Like something was changed. Something was different in the air. Everyone was different. Like it it was so bad, right? And that hung over everyone's heads. But years later, I knew 2016 when I became disillusioned with government. I'm like, I have to research 9/11. Start researching 9/11. That got me into researching Sandy Hook, and I fell down a rabbit hole. And when that, I knew all this information, and when that Route 66 shooting happened, I would stop and replay the video and watch that replay the video. And it was so bizarre. I was like, I think I'm watching either a hoax or a false flag, because I knew that terminology at that point. Like, if you had asked me years ago, you know do you know what a hoax is? Do you know what a false flag is? I would have been like, what are you, what are you talking about, right? And uh, I'm sure your listeners know, but the, the difference is a false flag is a series of events that the government or whatever entity that runs these things either oh, know about and really don't prevent intentionally uh, or they facilitate or let's say it's like someone that, you know, is off the rails, they give them a gun or someone from the military that they brainwash or an MK Ultra program, something like that, where people really do get hurt. That's a false flag. A hoax is basically a staged event where pretty much the entire thing utilizes crisis actors, which is people who are hired to just like, uh, you know, pretend to be hurt or... Um, or even people that pretend to be the parents of the children that died, who generally tend to go on and advocate for like gun control or policies or blah blah blah. But those are the main distinctions between a false flag and a hoax. Although sometimes <coughs> some events, it's unclear like whether those things are which ones. And uh, yeah, so I was an anarchist. I was like not into government at all, not into religion at all. Pretty much uh, still an atheist. And uh, I had joined Twitter at one point. I still had a Facebook. I think I eventually deleted my Facebook 
and I talked to different anarchists and I joined like this whole community. I found like I found my people. Right. You know, I started doing my research. I found other people that found the sound the same way. Everyone I thought was crazy. Everyone I thought that 9-11, I never believed the official story of 9-11, but I didn't know what to make of it either. But like everyone I thought was crazy about Sandy Hook, you know, saying it was fake and stuff. I was like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the thing about the server timestamps? Uh, where what? okay, so uh, hopefully I explain this right. So okay. before Sandy Hook even happened, there were huh. like Facebook pages and websites yes. set up for charities yes. for the victims. And like right after it happened, and people were talking about that on like YouTube and social media. I did the test myself because I was a computer nerd. Yes. So I went and I searched before they could take them down. And sure enough, there was a shitload of these creepy ass websites that were timestamped before it happened. That blew my mind. That actually happens a lot because uh, two things on that. Well, I feel like that happened with something else, some other shooting more recently within the past few years. But anyway, there's also a website you can go to. There's a really, really good um, researcher. Uh, his his bit shoot name is Urban uh, Urban Moving. He got banned from YouTube a couple times. Um, I will I will have to send you a link. But um, I don't know if it's called Time Warp. There's some website you can go to where it will pull up like archives of websites before they're taken down. <clears throat> and that's incredibly helpful. Like, for instance, uh, yeah, or you can see that they'll make, like, the profile of the killer's Facebook page, like, the day before, or their pictures will be blurry and pixelated. That doesn't make any sense. And, and they like, Photoshop. When you, like... What am I trying to say? When you see something like this, it, it really rocks yeah. your world because you're like, holy shit, if this is yeah. how it is, what else does that mean? The world is freaking crazy. Well, We're in uh, Alice in Wonderland territory here, Wizard of Oz. <coughs> so I'll get to that in one second, which is basically uh, it was frustrating because every time I thought my mind was blown, I thought I was like, okay, I'm done getting my mind blown, right? There'd be something else. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, every time I had a handle on what was going on, and everything I knew was thrown into question. Like I mentioned, the education system, the health system, like everything I've ever been told. And I had a really, really bad bout of depression where I was like, I've been lied to about everything my whole life. And not always maliciously, but by like people I cared about and people that cared about me that like meant well, but were also lied to their whole lives. And I was like, oh my God, everything that I know is just so wrong and useless. Like, holy shit. And I'm primed to just pretty much be a slave. Like that is on so many levels. I'm not taught self-sufficiency at all. Like we're all domestic and house cats. And it is, by the way, really important not to get solipsistic and caught in the trap of like, well, if this is fake, then everything's fake, then blah, blah, blah. Like, it's hard to maintain a level of inner balance while doing this research, like trying to be as objective as possible. And I will say, like, I got introduced to Mark Passio's work, which really helped connect a lot of things together for me, clarified a lot of things. And then eventually I would move on to, you know, I still like Mark's work, but other things such as Dan from Overwatch Project, Matt from Quantum of Conscious. Like what's so amazing now is there's such a plethora of great people like Titus Frost is wonderful. I came across his work because I was really sad because Debbie eventually like left the internet and I felt so alone. 
I was just like, well, I don't have anyone to walk me through anything anymore. But by that point, I was like learning how to research things on my own and discern information. And Titus was such a huge help because I would watch his videos and and really get a better understanding of different things. So the best way I want to phrase it, by the way, and I did a 15 page uh, like uh, essay very much on Parkland where I broke down the entire thing, trying to figure out what the heck it was and all the anomalies and all that stuff. Um, I do want to say the best conclusion I can come up with, aside from whether or not everything's a hologram, I'm not getting to that metaphysical level quite, but society we have as a whole is pretty much, do you remember the Truman Show? Oh, yeah, one of my favorites. One of mine, too. You know how he's living in that, like, fake world, but, like, it's, it's a, it's meant to be a utopia, right? Like a 1950s utopia. Yeah, he's supposed to have the perfect life. Yeah, so we live in a fake world, but it's not a utopia. <laughs> like I call it a dystopian Disneyland. We live like on a plantation, and we pretty much get terrorized whenever any elite group feels like it. I like That's, that dystopian Disneyland. Yeah, because you're you're pretty much taken for a ride all the time by most things. And I do want to mention, while it is really cool and useful to be able to break down events into false flag or hoaxes to try to figure them out like a puzzle, it's also important simultaneously to not get swept up in the news constantly by every little thing that gets pumped up by the news. So, for instance, like, I co-host our Chair Truth Media on Sundays, and as co-hosts, I, we do talk about news topics, we do break things down, but I do try to mention solutions and people, things that people can do in their day-to-day lives. Because anyone who's just like, like every little bit helps, right? And I do watch the news sometimes because I want to know like what the elite, you, and I say it like that way. The, you're one of the types that you love to figure things out. I do, but I like to solve problems. I don't like to just know what's going on or try to. I want to know how best to live my life and facilitate live, facilitate freedom for my life and other people. How do we fix this shit? Because it's not enough to just know what's going on. We have to know, like, it's right information with right action and consistency. And so it's like, if you and I were to just constantly debunk things in the media and we didn't provide any of these solutions at all, we're not going to get anywhere. You know what I'm saying? If If we don't address, like, uh, so the fundamentals, right? Let me back up a little bit. It's called the human condition for a reason. Because people suffer from, are you familiar with logical fallacies? Um, not specifically. I, I know what that means, but not specifically. Okay. And forgive me for, like, talking fast and jumping around a little bit. It's quite, it's quite a lot to cover. So here's the deal. So I told you we live in this dystopian Disneyland. doesn't mean everything's fake. It just means that our interactions within society and all the narratives we're exposed to on a daily basis is inorganic. It's socially engineered. Like, your response to them is real, but what you encounter oftentimes is a social construction that's facilitated by someone other than you, if that makes any sense. No, that that makes perfect sense. That's kind of like where I've been at in the recent few years is like, this is all so crazy. It gets to the point where I'm just like, I don't believe in anything. It's all just like fucking fucked. (laughs) That's the best I can put it. So here's the thing. Like, okay, so a logical fallacy is pretty much like when, 
the way that you and I are built, right? Like, so, so let me, let me phrase this real fast is I'm agnostic. I believe there might be a creator that made everything. I tend to like the theories from Dan from Overwatch, where I tend to see most things as either a simulation or a hologram. We experience it as real. I tend to see this as a bit of a prison planet unintentionally. Like, I don't think it has to be. I don't think it has to be all bad. I think we can make it as good as it can be. I think that nature is inherently hostile and that we, we sort of don't quite fit into nature. I enjoy the theories about aliens creating slave race, blah, blah. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole quite yet. I kind of want to stay non-tangential. I think that we're built, take that how you will, with bugs in the software. Logical fallacies are bugs in the software. It's cognitive biases that get in the way of our rationality and logic. You're kind of okay. saying, like, we're engineered to be controlled, sort of? Yes, whether intentionally or unintentionally or by default, yes. And more so than just controlled, we're, we're fallible, right? Like, we make mistakes, we're imperfect, but we also uh, understand things imperfectly. There's, there's an objective reality, and we're built as a solipsistic being. We're very self-centered, and the universe is just whatever's in front of my face. That's how we're kind of built. We're also built to adhere to some kind of authority figure of whatever that may be. The God. We're built to be slim. <laughs> Maybe. Whatever you want to call it. We all have a God-shaped hole, you know, whether that's filled with the state or people or whatever. Um, no, that that's actually really, really astute because that is just so true. Basically, that's, you know, going back to the idea of, like, Marxism and all that, they replace they 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 took that hole that everybody has inside of them and they shoved nationalism and the state in there and that's kind of the principle. Well, well, I'm going somewhere with this. So you and I are built to have the bugs and the software, these flaws, right? There's an objective reality. If you've ever heard the term, the map is not the territory. That's something that Jer Jordan Peterson, I believe, has said multiple times. Whatever. The way that you and I feel is valid. Okay, it means something and it's wonderful. But feelings are not necessarily like they're a thermometer for what's going on, but they're not necessarily the best at letting us know what an objective reality is. So we have to utilize discernment. Um, we have to do the best we can to be less wrong, right? It's almost impossible for us to be right about everything, but we have to really hone our rationality and logic to understand the world around us. And like in the Truman Show, we tend to accept things around us, even if they're weird or work against us, because we perceive it as normal and everyone else is doing it. And we're social creatures, right? In general, like there's a range, right? I tend to be introverted. More people tend to be, you know, other people tend to be extroverted, whatever. But we, we tend to operate within a social network that also operates by policing everyone into the same ideas. It's called the human condition, not because it's deterministic, but because people have these bugs in our software and it's almost persistent to the point of being inevitable. Meaning, freedom comes from consciousness and the ability to have a level of self-awareness, a level of being able to analyze information, to see the world around us and interact with us. I believe in what Mark Passu talks about natural law. And causality. And the idea of basically, you know, if we, I don't necessarily believe in karma per se or superstitions, but it's more like 
if we do good in the world and we treat each other right, we can have a peaceful world. I don't think that that's an impossibility per se, as in like, I don't think we're fated per se to not have that. We can have Eden on earth, so to speak. But if we're shady to each other and we keep falling for these fake authority figures within government and we keep operating within this slave system that we're doing and we keep doing things inefficiently and wrong and we don't adhere to that natural law, we don't respect each other's rights, we don't respect self-defense, we keep violating the non-aggression principle, we keep ending up with slavery. I believe that people are individualistic beings and not a hive mind, but everything we do gets mended together into consequences. So, for instance, if you and I care about freedom, we try to free people, but the majority of people don't believe in it, that's what we're going to get is slavery, even if you and I don't believe in freedom, right? When they say perception is reality, it's not entirely true in the sense of there is a reality outside of how we perceive it. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, you know? So what I'm trying to say is that people are built faulty. People are built to be slaves. And the only way we're going to ever be free is to address that and to understand a basic moral fabric together. That's the only way out of this. And that starts at people addressing those logical fallacies and biases. And there's a whole list. There's a list of them. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. The halo effect is when someone looks a certain way that people, it's implied people think that they're smart or something like news anchors. They look conventionally attractive. Their faces are symmetrical. So you think that the information they're giving out is accurate. That is called the halo effect. That is a logical fallacy that most of us have. And it's very, very difficult to, like, first of all, most people don't know what a logical fallacy is. and They don't know when they're committing it. When you and I are giving each other, when we're having a debate or an argument, it's important to have a level of self-reflection where you say, is what I'm saying objectively correct? Like, I'll give you another example. I don't know the name of the fallacy. But if I said, my content is true, and I know it as a fact because I got kicked off of YouTube, that's a logical fallacy. Because Alex Jones got kicked off of YouTube. So are you saying everyone, maybe it's like an absolute, everyone that got kicked off of YouTube, their content was true? No. Some people are full of shit, and they're kicked off YouTube because it's a game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the the system gives you its heroes and there, its villains. There's little hooks and- in there, like... Um, just for example, I mean, the most obvious example is the whole um, Israel, Gaza, stuff like that. It's like it's almost like a little trap because there's all these things trying to get you to talk about it. Right. And then once you talk yeah. about it, it's like you can't talk about that. What are you doing? But you guys there's are talking a, about it. Like a false flag serves multiple purposes, because if you and I go on YouTube and talk about Sandy Hook and try to wake people up, we get booted. We get censored. We stick out like a sore thumb. Yes, exactly. So it serves multiple things, right? Or they pass legislation that says anyone who talks about this, you need to interview them, throw them in jail. Uh, Rachel, real quick, yeah. uh, sorry to cut you off, but I just want to ask, uh, did, you want, uh, did you want to take any calls? I do. I want to wrap up real fast. Uh, just because I want to get to this crux point is so important. Not enough people are talking about it. Like I said, why it's called the human condition We're going to keep having slavery if people don't understand natural law and don't understand how to treat each other and how what they do affects other people and contributes to the aggregate. That's 
the whole thing. I can't say where we come from, came from or why we're here. I can just say people want freedom. They want their liberty. They they want to grow as people and, and make the best of a weird situation <laughs> of being alive. That's the ticket, man. Like, that's how people are. It's not sexy. It's not fun. It's not a news story. But that's, like, how basically people have to uh, go about doing things. And I often, real fast, I talk about people could get into permaculture, which is an efficient type of way of farming to grow their own food and have self-sufficiency and to work within uh, harmony with the environment. I believe that there are certain ecosystems uh, on Earth. Everything operates within an ecosystem, and we as a species have been really, really shitty at respecting that. I'm not saying everything in nature is good, but the way that we are living is so out of sync with the way that we're supposed to be living in the way of nature. That's why we're having a lot of problems in addition to the slavery, what have you. Another but, example of, of what, yeah. you're, what you're saying is uh, one thing that str- pops out at me is the monarchy over in England because they have no reason why they need to have a, a king or a prince or anything like that. But it's like because that's their culture, because that's how they're re- like everybody in England is yeah. raised to believe they have to respect the queen. But why? She's just a shitty old lady. There's nothing special because, about her. Because a lot of the elites, for instance, they understand evolutionary psychology. They understand how people are generally built and designed. So they know people are going to stay within a system that goes against their self-interest if it's what everyone else is doing because they don't want to be shut out and exiled and die. So people care too much about what everyone thinks and it keeps them in check. That's like one reason, right? They're taught that this is necessary and good and legitimate. So they believe those things. It takes also a lot of people hate themselves, like genuinely hate themselves and believe that they deserve slavery. And also part of it too is apathy. Some people just genuinely don't care. Some people like want to be told what to do because it's easier and it makes them feel like they're absolved of responsibility. But you're never absolved of responsibility. That's just a lie. That's like an illusion. We're always responsible for ourselves, regardless of what's going on. I mean, there's duress and coercion. I'm not saying it's always consensual, but we're realistically always responsible. Well, there's for something scary about being alone, like the idea of nobody's going to tell me how to do it. I just have to go out in the cold universe and figure out things for myself that that terrifies a lot of people it is but the alternative is a lie it's it's it as in it's not i'm not saying you're always alone it's just more of most things are on us to kind of figure out and we can build our resources and work together to do that and i'm a huge fan of voluntary action and mutualism i think that's the right one of the one of the antidotes to this whole slavery thing you kind of uh but just yeah. Explain that a little bit. What is uh, voluntarism? Voluntarism is pretty much, if you were to take anarchy to its fullest philosophical conclusion, that ideally you want people to engage with each other on a voluntary basis. You want all transactions to happen consensually and mutually. You want to see a society that values individualism, but also peaceful exchange. That's pretty much it. Do you... um? Do you kind of vibe with libertarianism then? I don't because libertarianism to me doesn't go all the way philosophically consistently. Libertarianism stops too short 
and keeps government on a lifeline and says, no, we do need the system. No, we do need to vote. No, we do need to reroute people back into this. Well, if you understand government's bad, because government in of itself is just simply a corporation that goes by a different name. Not that all corporations are bad, but it's a monopoly of violence and force and threats, which it uses to back up its arbitrary, redundant laws created by man, which it sees as its highest authority. It's like, well, uh, if you really believe that, why would you just stop at libertarianism and tell people, well, the solution is to vote for a different kind of king that's just like believes in more freedom than someone else? No, you'd be like, fuck you, I'm not a cuck, I'm not voting for someone else to be a king over me, why would I do that? Right? Like, like libertarianism is like, well, it's the lesser of the evils, but why do we have to accept evil at all? Why is that a thing? Why are you stopping there? Right? Like, consistently, if you want a voluntary society, why are you rerouting people back into voting for kings and stuff and saying, oh, we can have some kind of, like, you know slowly over time we're going to beat the system from inside you can't do that the system is just a trojan power for whoever wants to take over like israel for example <clears throat> when people are like we're going to vote israel took over your government what are you going to do what are you going to do you're going to try to vote someone else in you're going to try to take it over from the there's white knights from the inside helping us out in queue like no no one's coming to save us no one's coming to do the work for us like you have to stop believing in the charade. That's the scam. I, I, the I agree with that 100%. There's so many people out there. It's like they buy into this idea <laughs> that, that Trump's their hero or that Q is going to save everybody. And can't they see what they're doing? They're hero-worshipping, and they're treating Q like he's, like he's Jesus. They think Q is Jesus. He's yes. going to save us all from these, the, the horrible end-time scenarios. Because everybody always wants a Jesus. And I'm guilty, too. I thought Obama was my Jesus. You know, I, I, I'm i guilty of the thing that people are doing now. You know, now now I can understand the game. <clears throat> and that's all it is, is a game. These police officers and military, they don't have extra rights. Our rights don't come from government. Government doesn't protect our rights. It's just like a multi-level marketing scam a franchise. It's a cartel. That's it. For anyone who feels like getting power, like, and government doesn't investigate itself, like. And you're right about that because <laughs> I, I worked for a corporation for a lot of years, and I hated it because it was exactly yeah. like that. Your boss was your duke or your king, and you had to completely obey your boss, otherwise you're out. Which, by the way, there's a difference between people voluntarily having an exchange of work. If I have a boss, <clears throat> that doesn't make me just a slave because I can quit go to another job, or he can fire me. Like, there's a voluntary social contract there, right? That we agreed to the terms and conditions. Government, the elite, the society we're given, it's all, like, fraud and violates its own terms and conditions. Like, people will say things like, oh, the elite have to adhere to a special karma, where they have to tell us the truth, and we have to consent to it, blah, blah. I believe people do have to consent to their own slavery. I believe that. But I don't think there's any special karmic rule that says they have to tell the truth. Like they, I think they just tell the truth to mock us for fun. Or like or I don't. It's it or that's somehow part of the mind control. Like by telling us what's going to happen, we help co-create oh, it. Well, that's that's predictive uh, programming that yeah. you're referring to. The idea of installing things. There's multi layers of uh, 
psychologically controlling us because it's easier to control us psychologically than it is physically, not to say that they don't influence us by putting crap in our water and food and stuff like that. Yeah, that's so they, true. That's so yeah. true because you have multiple <laughs> like, and they set, set it up that way on purpose. People assume that they, they're dumb. But the reason why they are they is because they're not dumb because yeah, they are so smart and they do brilliant. know yeah and they do know how to yeah. set up a lie behind a lie or or a, a layer of lies on top of another layer of lies because they they've so, been doing this for thousands of years. Think of think of the Federal Reserve like people think it's a part of the government. It, it it's like and I didn't know for a while and I didn't understand how important economics was because economics is math. It's based on math. And math, while it can be manipulated, it's much harder to lie. There's much more of an objective. There's no rip, wiggle room or subjective morality going on with math. It is, it's just a tool, right? Like, it is what it is. And, so, and that, that's how they make yeah. their money, through economics. Yeah, because fiat currency, fiat currency isn't it's all a scam. And, and by the way, I should make it clear, I'm not a fan of materialism or... Like, I like capitalism, but I'm not a fan of materialism or exploitation or uh, consumerism. And it's not, it doesn't violate the NAP to hurt the planet, but it's it's still shitty. Like, like we're, again, we're mentioned, we're solipsistic beings. We don't care about animals and the earth, right? But everything is supposed to work within an ecosystem. You have to care about the planet, even if it makes you sound like a pussy. You're not. It's more like understanding how this earth is designed understanding how to interact with it properly yeah i, because, I agree because yeah. i'm i'm like i consider myself to be an environmentalist but i'm not a yeah. vegan like i'm an environmentalist that will eat meat all damn day long <laughs> right i think i think it's unethical to eat meat but you should do it anyway because it's good for you and <laughs> because animals can't consent so how is it i have a really 100 percent ethical unless it's like you wait till one of them dies or something yeah, but, I mean, I, I totally, I, I, I love animals, and I totally see the argument there. And I, if somebody says they don't eat meat, I'm like, that's very honorable of you. But meat, oh man, right. I gotta have my barbecue salmon and my my chicken with the breading on it. Oh god. Like I, I eat meat because it's necessary for me to stay alive, and I don't want to die. But it doesn't mean I necessarily think it's right or ethical because that's a fallacy. This is what this is what humans do, right? And I don't mean that as in like I'm a demon alien. I mean that as in like. We think that if something has a good consequence, it's morally good. If something has a bad consequence, it's morally bad. And we think that if using the earth and animals is good for us, then that's just always good. Like, that's how stupid we are. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, we're so, so, like, people walk around, they're like, I'm a good person. And then they're just, like, destroying every resource. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying You also all have, like... <laughs> on, on that topic, like I can, I can use my own example. Like you have one type of person, right? And they think yeah. if they go out and they donate to charities, they go to these events, the, all these ball charities, all that crap, all that social elite stuff. They they say they're a good person. Yet, yeah. really, the good person is just the person who will like reach out a hand if one of their friends or family needs help. Yeah, but my point is, it's more than just humans, right? It's like trying to live again. I think that. I think that, so there's a, um, we're not 100%, we're not animals per se, we're a weird hybrid in my opinion. So it's kind of like we're held to a different standard than just animals, right? So it's a fallacy to constantly compare us to animals. We can use it as a reference point and there's some connections and it's 
useful for understanding the world. It's not 100% accurate. So it's kind of like we, we keep looking at the animal kingdom and seeing, okay, they kill each other and might makes right, therefore might makes right must be moral. It's like, no, I think that there's a hostility and a weirdness to nature that I don't understand, which makes me question if the creator was benevolent because there's like bugs that eat other bugs from the inside out. I'm like, all right, that's the thing. I don't know what that is. That's weird to me. Maybe I'm a, a puny little person that, who's, you know, that's my opinion as a being that can't quite, maybe the understanding of that's above my pay grade. That's a phrase I like to use when I think of something philosophically that I can't quite explain. But it's a little bit like, I think our job is a little bit to just live in harmony with things, even if we don't quite understand them. And to try our best to understand them. Or a lot of people are like, it's okay to eat, it's okay to eat yeah. pigs because they're they're ugly, but it's not okay to eat a deer because it's beautiful. <laughs> that, that's well, kind of the logic that a lot of people use. There's, there's an evolutionary psychologist named Diana Fleischman I like who talks about effective altruism, which is basically people trying to do good in ways based on empirical evidence. And she said, if vegans want to do good, if people want to do good and eat better, they should eat more cows instead of chicken and fish. Because she said numerically, it takes way more chickens and fish to feed people than it does one cow, and that more animals have to suffer and die to feed people if you try to eat less beef. So she makes like a rational, logical argument because people aren't always rational, and they don't always make arguments from a rational place. That's the whole logical fallacy thing. Well, if we you do, do want, if so, you do really want to go yeah. vegan, you kind of have to stick with soy products, broccoli. How? long are you going to be able to eat soy products and broccoli before your head explodes? Well, that's not true because you would have to eat like uh, beans and protein powder from peas and things like that. You wouldn't necessarily have to eat soy. If you do eat soy, it needs to be fermented soy. You could other you could eat, get probiotics from eating sauerkraut and things like that. You could get most of what you need, like amino acid profiles from mushrooms. You could get most of what you need from being vegan. It's just incredibly difficult, which Diana makes the awesome point, if you made being moral more convenient, would more people do it? For instance, if we had lab meat, would that change the whole scenery of veganism in the sense of like, well, if you could grow meat in a lab, suddenly it's not an ethical issue necessarily, is it? However, the caveat to that is like, I really don't want Israel growing meat in a lab because they're going to be the ones spearheading that and who knows what's in it. So that's the unfortunate, frustrating Thing on that one, it's like gonna be, it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be people. Drink. It's always gonna be people. Yeah, it's gonna be first. aborted fetuses, clones, <laughs> children that went missing, disabled people, yeah. people with it's Down syndrome. So frustrating because I know like that could be one, like that could have been one potential way of like solving this whole thing, and it's just not. Yeah, and <laughs> like, you know what? What's kind of ironic about that is a lot of our fish, it's farmed. Mm-hmm. It's not real, like, organic fish. It's actually, yeah. like, all, our fish are fake fish. Like, all that trout out there, the rainbow trout, that's put in the lakes and the streams by us. There's nothing natural about that. And we're supposed to be conserving the environment. And our forests and our fishery departments are supposed to be saving our environment. But all they're doing is screwing it up 100 times worse. Yeah. Which, by the way, like, I do want to bring up Owen Benjamin because I think he's great. I don't agree with everything he says. For instance, I don't agree with his stance on taxation and his sort of, like, telling people, oh, you know, just go, yes, you're a slave. Yes, the government sucks. But not much you can do about it. So, like, I don't agree with that aspect. But I do agree with how he lives his life now and the fact that he talks about gardening. He talks about having a family. He talks about, like, 
all the meaningful things to do in life that mean something to him. Because it's like the whole media just wants to edgelord you all the time. If the world was really going to end, who the fuck would turn into the media because it's going to end? Why would you waste your time on that? But if the world wasn't going to end, why would you watch the news? Because it like you wouldn't bother. So it's kind of like it has to do this, will the world end, won't it, blah, 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 blah. It has to edgelord all the time for you to tune in, stay, and pay attention. And you and I can get lost in all that information. I'm not saying to tune it all out all the time. It's just more of like, what are we doing in our day-to-day lives to make it better, to not be a slave? Are you and I doing things to give other, not really give, but to teach other people about freedom and why they're a slave and what they can do and, like, how we can all rise up together pretty much? like. What's really troublesome about that is that if you do try to do something about it, a lot of times you're just going out there and you're telling people exactly what they want you to tell them. Like it might be about aliens and you might be presenting it how they want you to present it or other Mm -hmm. things like, you know, Alex Jones is an example. He's telling people conspiracy stuff and you ask, why would they want him to do that? Regardless of if it's true or not true, why would they want him to go out there and like make people more aware Yet, that doesn't seem to be what's happening. People kind of see him as a joke. Yeah, well, okay, so there are designated people who do tell the truth, some of it, but are used as a buffoon like Alex Jones or whatever. He's pretty much a shell. Or they're sort of used to represent everyone else, unfortunately, in a movement. It's like, no, no, he doesn't. We don't want him. Take it. No, I get that. But it's like listeners that are coming onto our show. What is it that they want from us? And are they doing anything in their own lives? How can we reach them and help them to make their lives better and all have freedom together. What are we doing with this information? Like I do things, like I mentioned the permaculture. I started looking into weightlifting. I wanted to right all the wrongs. I wanted to take all the lies I was taught and find out the truth. I'm like, okay, well, it it was heartbreaking and awful and disillusionment to know I was lied to, but I have to move on. I have to find out the truth and go from there and take the right steps. And that's exactly what I do try to do in my own day to day. And it is quite a bit of work and I don't have anyone telling me what to do all the time, but the more you practice self-sufficiency, the easier it gets. The more you approach things from a merit based perspective, like, yes, we don't live in a merit system, right? We don't. Okay. So we're, we're on the timeline. And at um, this point you are, (laughs) You're starting to figure things out. You're looking deeper. You're finding different sorts of information. At what point does this lead you to <laughs> lead you to RTR Truth Media? Oh man, that's a really good question. I think I think it was through Twitter, and I think it was through Tom Lakota of RTR Truth Media reaching out to me, and I think me like commenting on some of their video his videos and things like that, and you. Just, and then reaching out to me and saying, hey, you know, do you want to eventually co-host? And then um, me adding to that show and, and me kind of thinking it a little, like, awesome in the sense of, like, these are paleoconservatives. These are people who were totally raised different than me. So he, he just kind of found, <laughs> he found you on Twitter and he was like, you know, I kind of yeah. like what you're talking about. It's kind of it's kind of I'm kind of vibing with it. I think you might be a good co-host yeah. for this program. What, is RT, yeah. what does RTR stand for? Because I saw it somewhere Resurrect, online. Go ahead, sorry. Resurrect the Republic. No, it's okay. Resurrect the Republic. It was the reference to America being founded upon a constitutional republic. 
right? Like, and I have issues with the founding fathers, and I have issues with the Constitution, and is it like, if I don't write my rights down on a piece of paper, do they not exist? And, I left my piece of paper what, home. What's his name again? <coughs> Sorry, Tom Lakota. And it sounds like Tom is very patriotic. Like, he's very about the founding fathers. Not necessarily. I think I think he's about what the intent of the founding fathers was and the whole point of America to begin with. And that's the thing, too. Basically, he still believes in the American dream. I don't know about that, and I don't want to speak for him, and I don't mean that as a cop-out. I think it's more of he... I would say he believes in that, uh, that life, liberty, and happiness and the pursuit of that. And I think he's also a Christian and sort of that religious freedom aspect too, to practice what he believes. And I think it's uh, <coughs> pretty much like staying to that intent. But I think over time, him and uh, my co-host Chris are kind of coming around to like all these state conservatives, how Den- like Dan Crenshaw and, you know, there's all the America first people and blah. It's like, and the Ben Shapiro's and, and like, all the people that everyone wants to tag as a conservative, I think they're coming around to what Trump is, and they and they they know now. I think what they know he's a Zionist show. They know that he's with the Rothschilds. They know about Jared Kushner, and in my own opinion, I think that they're uh, grooming Ivanka Trump to run for president in the future. I would place yeah. money on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <coughs> I think that's the obvious one. Um. I'm not saying she would win per se. I'm just saying I do see her being groomed as a like calmer version of her dad. Yeah, they you were know? saying she was like I saw it on Twitter. They're saying like she was the queen of Israel or something like that. I was like, <laughs> what? Queen of the Jews. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I think they're it's kind of cute because you know they're coming around to like this person line and that person line. They're like, wait a minute, maybe. Maybe, you know, us having a constitutional republic, like, isn't enough to stop this government from getting out of control, you know? Like, maybe yeah. maybe we're thinking about this all. Hey, like, let, me, let me ask you something. This, yeah. this is kind of weird out of nowhere. I totally get it. Did your parents, like, they're very Jewish. Did they talk about a messiah? They talk about what? A messiah? Not really. Like, because it's weird. Because I think, I think that they would say is, like, metaphorical. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a certain line, because Judaism is weird, because some people take it literally, and there are the crazy Jews who are like, we want Messiah, we want it now. Like, that was something we would sing and stuff. But I think in my temple, I think in general, people were like, okay, this is metaphorical. Like, there really is no Messiah, per se. Like, so do you, do you feel Jews- like, do you feel like, on average, Jewish people have kind of gone off of the Messiah thing? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think it I think it kind of depends because there's a lot of stuff in religion that like don't make any sense but people believe in it anyway. As in if you were to ask them to explain it, they probably couldn't, but they've been saying it for years. If that makes any like, sense. My percep- my perception as an outsider who's extremely interested mm-hmm. is that like at some point the shift sort of fo- it, it, the focus sort of shifted from like the religion and messiah and all that onto kind of like political Israel sort of stuff. Like they call it Zionism. Okay, so we kind of have to we kind of have to break this down real fast into a thing. So, for instance, Judaism in of itself is an umbrella term 
that covers a religion, a philosophy, a culture, and some people say it covers a race and some people don't. And that's where it also gets weird because the way I personally see it is there are these Freemasons who invented the religion of Judaism, which is really the cult of Saturnalia, which worships, like some people say, you know, Saturn, obviously. I've heard other things like Judaism worships the moon or like stuff like that. Um, so I think it's a very, it's a very old timey religion that stemmed from Freemasonry. And there's a difference between like the Old Testament sort of, and I'm not saying the Old Testament is necessarily all true, but like I would say historically there's a difference between the Semitic people of the East or like something like that. And like a lot of Jews known as today, I don't even know if the tribe of Shem exists, to be honest with you, or like, because they would be pretty much similar to Arabs, really. I think that a lot of Jews today, in my own personal opinion, I could be totally wrong. I've done some research on this, like uh, the Ashkenazi, which is like the tribe or something that I'm allegedly from. And I say that because like, I feel like this is all an identity that was like thrown at me, right? Um... I think that comes from converts within the Caucasus Mountains, and I think that's honestly just an insulated European, like, inbred group. I call that the knockoff handbags of Jews, but I get in so much trouble for saying that. Like, Sephardic Jews are more authentic Jews because they're from, like, the tribes in the Middle East. So, wait, wait, let me just say this real fast because it's really confusing real fast. So, like... I think it was such an insulated tribe to where it created its own DNA almost. So for me, my 23andMe genetic test says Ashkenazi, right? But that doesn't mean that I believe in things because it's in my genes or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's the bloodline group or whatever. But I think a lot of the elite that are Jewish aren't really, like, authentically Jewish. I think they just utilize that as a cover for a lot of things that they do. And there's a difference between that and a lot of modern-day religious Jews who who just are, like, programmed like anyone else. Like, they don't know what's going Like, not all of them know what's going on, and there are religious Jews who don't like the state of Israel. Yeah, I agree with that, because if you look at what these people are doing, they're doing nothing but evil, and the basic tenet of the Hebrew reli- re- religion sorry, is to be a good person. Um, so you're not being a good person when you're manipulating everybody. That goes completely well, against what they claim to believe. Well, how could you be a good person if you're basically living off of taxation, which is theft because you're praying all day and you can't support yourself, and you use welfare systems, and that's just stealing from the goys or whatever, and then that makes you a good person? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's fucked up. And that's something that happens. Like, that's what I mean about the cognitive dissonance and the, and the idiosynchronicities and and the logical fallacies is people really think that they're doing good things and they're doing them in bad ways because they're they're brainwashed. Like, and I'm not saying people aren't autonomous. They are. People do have. I do believe in free will. I do believe in free will. Like, I can't totally disprove determinism at all levels. However, I find it 100% utilitarian to always approach things from a merit-based perspective. What I mean by that is, again, we all have choices. We all can make them. We're all are autonomous. And people like you get bombarded. I'm not saying that they aren't 100% responsible. Like, they do get brainwashed. But you can break out of it. Like, I'm not special for my siblings, right? I'm the only one in my family that doesn't identify with the religion, that doesn't 
want Israel the du- like I was raised the exact same way, this exact same education with the exact same brainwashing thrown at me. I don't know. Like it, it's really it's really tough, man. And uh again, Judaism generally is used as a shield by the elites to do terrible things, and the term anti-Semitic is thrown around to shield anyone, generally. Like, there really is anti-Semitism, I'm not saying there's not, and I'm not, like, one of those people who's like, oh, I'm not a fan of the religion, therefore I'm just going to jump onto the other, like, you know, trap, which is Nazism, and just be like, yeah, that's the real good one, Hitler's great. It's like, no, Hitler was also working with the Zionists. I'm sorry, all your heroes are part of the system. They're given to you. Like, Sorry. Like, that, that's kind of the thing, uh, is anti-Semitism is used to smear anyone who disagrees with Israel, and not liking Israel does not make someone anti-Semitic. Well, in my opinion, when you start yeah. to get into, like, what what kind of happened to me was when I first started to get really into the deep conspiracy stuff, I like you, I got into David Icke, right? And mm-hmm. David Icke was sort of the person that woke me up to this whole situation. I mean, I knew I knew it was happening. Like, even when I was a kid, I sort of knew it was sort of unfair or, or might be. But David Icke really put me onto this idea of the Jews are kind of behind everything. And as I kept going and going and going, I started to kind of see what was happening where I was experiencing some sort of like reverse programming. I was being manipulated yeah. into blaming people that... Really, you're, you're, you're casting a really wide umbrella when you say the Jews are responsible. Because yeah. We were just talking <laughs> about it. The people that are actually responsible for this stuff, they're not following the Hebrew religion, not even close. They don't even seem to understand it or vibe with it how it really should be at all. It's, it's, well, they're, they're uh, Kabbalists, so they follow, they follow tangential Jewish texts like the Talmud. I'm familiar with like the Protocols of Zion, although some people are like, no, that's fake, blah, blah, blah. And the Talmud is just a book that's based on a series of rabbinical teachings. It's not like the same thing as the Old Testament. And the Kabbalah, there's some dispute over that, whether that's just like fake thing or Jew. Like it's considered Jewish mysticism or whatever. But the point is, I don't necessarily, here's the deal, is I don't believe in astrology, but all the elite, all the people that are conducting this, and it is hard to pinpoint who exactly is behind everything in the sense of like, it's, it's like a Game of Thrones power structure where there's Freemasons and Rosicrucians and there's the Vatican and Rome and, like, so many people that do fight each other, but they all work together to keep us in this grid of slavery. And it's very hard. I hate saying they or, but, like, I hate being vague and I feel bad about that. But sometimes, like, I don't know who's behind every false flag or hoax. Like, Zionism in itself, we can't just say Israel in the sense all the time. Like, I mean, there's other power structures, but... If you say Zionists, well, who are the Zionists? Are they just all Jews? Like, who are the Rothschilds? Are they Jews? Like, it's more like the things that people believe in. Like, for me, I care the most about what someone values. Do you value the non-aggression principle mostly? Like, do you want to be a moral person? That's what I care about the most. So the best thing I can say is all these elitists, all the people with this control structure, are people who have fundamentally agreed in slavery and are okay with it and are facilitating it like but it's it's almost like they got a little like trap set up where if you if you get into it if you listen to the conspiracy talk eventually you're going to get into Ike or something like that 
And it's yeah. like they have this trap built for people. So if they start to figure out what's going on, they, you know, like, like you were alluding to, they can suddenly start labeling you an anti-Semite. And now anything you had to bring to the table, it's now rendered obsolete because you're an anti, anti-Semite. You're hateful. Right. And nothing you have to say is of any value. And you need to be kicked off of all the social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just funny because who cares about hate? As long as you're not hurting people, who cares about hate? You can hate. Like I wrote, I wrote some stand-up about hate. <laughs> like I hate people all the time. Doesn't mean I would hurt them. <clears throat> but here's the thing: is there's something called the Overton window, and that's a phrase that means there is a, a circle, a window of things you're allowed to talk about within that framework. Kind of like the right-left paradigm or politics, where you and I are allowed to talk about anything within that scope. If you and I deviate outside that scope, that's foreboding. Like, we can't talk about alternative solutions in the free market, or, like, we can't talk about what does Judaism mean, or we can't even talk about, like, well, what does white privilege mean? Or, like, we can't we can't talk about, we can't break these things down because yeah, b- because we are Because we are talking about what we're talking about right now, this video yeah. could be totally taken off of everything. Even though like, neither of us said anything hateful, neither of us blamed anybody yeah. for anything. We're agreeing that the Jews are not responsible <laughs> for anything, but just the <laughs> fact that we're talking about it means this video could get deleted. Yeah, like, let me give you an example. Here's one of my favorites. Uh, white privilege. So if you say that, if someone accuses you of white privilege, you go, um, what does that mean? And they go, well, it means that you have privilege in society. And you go, Why? They're like, well, society looks at you differently because you're white. You just go, why? And they go, well, because white people get treated differently than other people. And you go, why? <laughs> just get, just get back. <laughs> like, and they go, because people are, what? Like, they can't. It's not because they don't know. It's because they can't. Say yeah, it. And but, I'm not, but then you then you ask the question: What if I'm white and I'm poor? What if I'm white and I wear glasses? What if I'm white and I'm Jewish? What if I'm white and I'm ugly? Right. All these things that I'm I should be getting, I'm not necessarily going to get unless I'm like rich and I'm right. perfect, et cetera, et cetera. The people that actually fall under the category of white privilege are probably very rare. They're the people going to Ivy League schools, and that's about it. So like for me with Judaism personally, I could say my my 23andMe DNA test says Ashkenazi Jew on it. Okay, but for me personally, I just say like I did my time, or I feel like the Jane Goodall of Judaism because like that's how I was raised. But that's not how I identify. I identify as just like a person thrown into a mess before I was born. Like you and I are just caught up in this drama trap that existed way before we did, and we were born into it. And we had no idea it existed. Like. It's such an, you know that scene from The Matrix where Morpheus is like, it's a prison for your mind, you know, like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. It's an invisible, how would you have come to this conclusion without any sort of externality of any kind? Like, it's nearly impossible, right? Like, I would have never imagined half this stuff in, like, middle school, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it wouldn't have occurred to me. And it is like, interesting because, like you are saying, your siblings, they kind of... Went along with things. Other people, you know, kind of went along with things. But for whatever reason, you kind of resisted. You went against the grain. You you had this, like, compulsory sort of deep-down feeling, not unlike The Matrix, where he's like, oh, you felt like something was wrong your whole life. (laughs) Why why is that? Why do you have that feeling deep inside of you? And I'm a dumbass, by the way, which I'm excited about, because at least, okay, because at least if I'm a dumbass, 
that means that I can teach myself things. And if I can teach myself things, I can teach other people things. So it's like, I can just approach things from blank slate and be like, all right, I'm a dumbass. How do I unfuck myself? How do I not be domesticated in the slave system? And then I just work through it and I write down my formula and I'm like, I'm going to do the best I can not to tell people what to do, ironically. But like, if I can unfuck myself and figure this out, then maybe I can help other people do that. And that's like a, I'm working on a book of essays. I'm working on a project. And I talk about all the unsexy stuff like weightlifting. And I'm like, how do I fix all the lines? Right? How do I do the right things? So. What do you, what do you mean about weightlifting? So, for instance, um, <coughs> like weightlifting is one of the best things you can do health-wise. And I think that that's not promoted enough and also not promoted enough for women as well. So, like, it's one of the things that can reverse an aging process. It can uh, help with a lot of, like, your blood pressure and strains and things like that. Like, like for instance, there's a lot of uh, um, things that we accept as normal that necessarily isn't. Like, when you and I age, yeah, things aren't going to work as well as they used to. It, but there's a lot of chronic conditions people have that is from eating shitty and drinking shitty things and blah, 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 that isn't just from aging. Like, for instance, people fall apart at 40 because they didn't do anything healthy most of their lives, not just because that's what happens to you at 40 is my point. So there's a lot of things that we just take for granted as an organic occurrence when really there's better ways of doing things. And I'm against pseudoscience and quackery, which makes it really difficult because a lot of people that are like, all right, I don't believe in the slave system. I don't believe in government, blah, blah. I'm just going to grab onto astrology or I'm just going to grab onto some other superstition. That's really frustrating. Like, it's so hard to be still and balanced and be like, all right, how do I find objective truth? How do I discern information? How do I not just grab onto another belief without being, you know, I'm not a nihilist, but how do I take a step back from the things that people say and believe and understand stoicism and and utilize that as a tool to discern information and, and to better myself? Uh, so that's an example. At what point did you at what point in your life did you begin to have an interest in comedy? Um but I graduated college from 2012, and I worked for my engineering company. I used to listen to a lot of uh, stand-up comedy. I've always liked stand-up. And for me, by the way, I think you'll appreciate this, coming from the left or a liberal or whatever, I always would find politically incorrect humor hilarious, but I felt guilty about it. So I'd be like, ha Like, I found, like, there were there were things, like, <clears throat> even now I see individuals as individuals, right? I see averages, but there's generally individuals, the most accurate thing. But like, I would see like a stereotype or something. And I would just be like, I don't know what to do with that information because if I acknowledge that a stereotype is real, I'm a racist. But if I turn a blind, I, like, like I can't deny reality, but does that make me a bad person? It was like a conundrum. And I'm like, I've always had a politically incorrect sense of humor. And I would laugh at the darkest things like Howard Stern and all kinds of stuff. And I felt so bad about it. And then after becoming, you know, disillusioned with a lot of things, I was like, fuck it. You know, I don't have to apologize for my sense of humor. And I listened to more comedy. And I went to live shows in the city and stuff. And I thought, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to go to an open mic. And I'm going to write 
jokes, and I'm going to do this. So I started getting a notebook and writing down jokes and performing at open mics. And if I bombed, I'm like, fuck it. There's no, like, no one's going to punch me in the face. I'm going to do it again. And so I would just write more jokes and stuff like that. So I love, I love Bill Burr. And to me, like, it's funny because a comedian is seen as so trivial, right? You're, they're seen as a gesture and a buffoon. But they're actually historians, evolutionary psychologists. They're people who can take a window of time in history and throw it back at us and make us think. Like, they perform, uh, and comedy is a tool, by the way. You can use it to brainwash people and hurt people. Like, that's what I used to listen to, like, um, Colbert and Jon Stewart and, like, a bunch of clowns, you know, and think it's funny. And, And then it's just kind of like you can propagandize people with comedy and humor because it breaks down, like, their shield and their preconceived notions. Or you can uplift them, like Owen Benjamin. You can help them. You can get them to where they need to go. I'm sorry if that's a very abstract language way of saying that. But uh, comedy is actually a wonderful tool for sorting out your thoughts and also for thinking of things in a different way. It's one thing for you and I to just talk or other people. But if you were to say, what can I do to make you laugh? That's a totally different thing. And not only that, but it, but it's like writing music. It's basically writing music. You're writing formulas. It's like writing your own program. And Mark Passio had talked about people being organic computers. And then, and I thought, well, like I mentioned previously, I, I, I'm throwing back a little bit, but it's because I realized I should have used this language that um, people are organic computers and, and we're brainwashed, but you can unfuck yourself. You can deprogram yourself and reprogram yourself, which is amazing. So comedy can help reprogram you. I love Gab. I love Fortune. I look at Gab all the time, and it has, like, based humor, and it helps every time I look at based humor, like, part of the brainwashing kind of falls away. I'm not saying every base joke is is true, but it, like, helps just, like, eat away at all the years of, like, CNN. <laughs> you know what I mean? How did you discover Howard Stern? Um, my ex I mentioned that got me to David Icke and Alex Jones was in Howard Stern. So he used to listen to it all the time. And it was way back in the day when he was, like, funny. And, uh, I feel like everything over time becomes cancer, unfortunately. Seems like to be a law. Yeah, um, I, I still love Stern, but I would say he, it was probably his, like, glory days about ten years ago or so when it was, like, really super Yeah, nice. before Sirius Radio or Sirius XM or something. Yeah, the the first like eight years or so of Sirius was actually pretty good because they had like a whole news crew and stuff like that, and then it just kind of whittled down over time. Artie Lang left the show, who I think is hilarious. Like he's one of my yeah. favorites as far as somebody just on the radio and just like laughing consistently at them. I, I'm a huge Stern yeah. fan, obviously. Like it, he inspired I, me to do the show majorly. And I think the elites hate when we like laugh at them. And I think that's one of the most powerful things we can do, quite honestly. And I think that, you know, people say biblically, biblically things like um, shield of God or stuff like that. I don't believe in the Bible, you know, or anything like that. But I do see humor would be the equivalent of an or the armor of God, so to speak. I think having a, a sense of humor really saved my soul from just being demolished in a sea of propaganda forever. 
You know, I think it's something that kept me really afloat for a very long time, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, you are very opinionated, so I want to ask you this <laughs> question. And it's it's a question for an opinionated person. What what do you think of all this transgender stuff? The bathrooms, the men competing in women's sports, et cetera, et cetera. What do you what do you, do you have any thoughts on this whole social phenomenon? Opinionated means racist. Um, <laughs> Everybody's racist. Hey. No, <laughs> it's subconsciously no, um, racist. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think homosexuality, transgenderism, everything. Like, there's a lot of deviations in people that do exist or. Organically, and hello. Oh, Daniel. Oh shoot! Hello? I don't know what I did, but somehow by answering, your, I got to figure out how to do this right. Somehow by answering, I totally lost Rachel. So all right, I'll I go apologize. Away. Bye. Yeah, sorry about that. All I apologize. Right. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question to ask her on text. All right. Oh, okay, cool. All right, bye. Bye. Hello. Hello. Sorry about that. I was trying. Somebody was calling in. I tried to take the call, and I must not know what I'm doing because it it paused you. So I got to figure this out. That was a huge disaster. But okay, right. he's. Gonna, I'm gonna answer. Go, go ahead. Gonna he's going to text me the question, so we're going to get it. But go ahead. I'm going to answer your question, and then I do want to take calls. I'm really sorry for taking so long. Like, there's a quite a ground to cover, and I'm also trying to... We're, we're about at two hours now, so I, I hate to rush you, but we're going to probably uh, have to, like, get a move on yeah. like, and end this within the next, like, 20 minutes, because we're already, like, an hour <laughs> past our scheduled I'm time. I'm so sorry, man. No worries. But I'd be, yeah, I'd be happy to do this again with you sometime. No pressure. But anyway, I think that real fast, that homosexuality, transgenderism, there's a lot of, like, organic things that happen outside of a... Uh, agenda, but I do believe at the same time an agenda exists. So I do believe that there's individuals doing their own thing, but I do believe that an organized agenda does exist in terms of transgenderism. I think that that's something pushed by the mainstream, and I think I think on the conspiracy side that ultimately falls over people sacrificing their children to Moloch. If like for instance, it's one thing if an adult's transgender and makes their own consensual choices. But a child that cannot make their own choices that's under the stewardship of their parents, that is abuse. Sorry. Like, if they're, you know, 18 or in the right state of mind, you know, however you want to phrase it, and can make their own decisions and support themselves, like, got it. God bless. That sucks. You know, that's a terrible idea. But, okay. And I know that gender dysmorphia does exist, and that's a thing. However... We are looking at an agenda that is normalizing a specific type of abuse for a depopulation reason. <clears throat> that is my interpretation. So, again, to summarize, there are individuals that exist outside of the system that do things that have nothing to do with the new world order. But there is a larger agenda that's continuing on at the same time. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really hot topic, and some people are really sensitive about it, but... At least for me, like not giving children chemicals that yeah. do all kinds of crazy things to them and cause side effects. I mean, that's kind no of a shit. given. And the fact that they are giving them to any kids is just crazy to me. But again, it's one of those yeah. boxes you can't go near. Otherwise, you're terrible, hateful. Which is insane to me because it's like child, it's child abuse. It's insane. And also circumcision is child abuse as well. Like 
these things that we normalize because it's such a part it's it's part of that agenda but also because it's such a way of signaling people want to signal to each other their beliefs so virtue signaling is a term term that uh joffrey miller who's an evolutionary psychologist uses quite frequently to describe that people want to signal their beliefs to each other but it's like man what's the point in doing that if you know you're not logical and rational and know what the hell you're talking about it's just I totally agree. It's unfortunate. It's a hot topic issue. Talking about it is worse than it actually happening. Hello. Like, us talking about it is more offensive. Us questioning it is more offensive than what the child is actually going through. Uh, let me that ask is, you this. Uh, yeah. D- doesn't yeah. it seem kind of like anti-women, the idea of like men going into women's bathrooms or competing in women's sports? Well, those are two different things there. So, like, in general... The bathroom thing, I totally understand a lot of sides of that, and and I agree with you. That's an issue. The sports thing, yeah, totally, totally bunk. It's like, and you're going to have not only that, but it's dangerous, too. Like, you're literally going to have women just beat up, you know, because, because people feel like it's more important to value a social construction over reality because they believe that everything is subjective when it isn't. That's like the main line, you know, yeah. and, and I will say, by the way, I just want you to know, like, my opinion is I don't think it's so much that everyone's clamoring for these things. These are things dictated top down and just thrown at us every day. Like a day to day person would be like, yeah, that's nuts, like in general. But it's just that the media makes it seem like everyone's on board with this. Not only that, but when you have stuff like videos of people <clears throat> like, there's that lady that walks into GameStop. She's like, it's man, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's real. Like, no, it misidentified me. You misidentified me, like, yeah. 50 times. Oh, my God. I laughed so yeah. hard. <laughs> but here's the deal. I think that there's a story and a fake video. I'm not saying everything's fake, but I think there's a contrived story for everyone on every spectrum. So, for conservatives, well, hey, they have their did own. You, did you yeah. know that person is a rapper? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah I, heard of I think that lends to the idea that that might have been fake. To a degree. Right. Or the Jesse, Smollett, the Jesse Smollett thing. Like, I don't think he did that by himself and on his own. I think he was probably paid to do that. That's my own personal opinion. I don't have any empirical evidence to prove that. But I think that there are these news stories that are contrived to control us and divide us. And something I haven't gotten enough into, Zachary Hubbard from um, from Gematria Effect News talks about Gematria, which is a numerical breakdown of how the elite kind of use a cabalistic system to control us using algorithms and math pretty much and formulating headlines and other things. I haven't read the, I own the book. I haven't gotten through it enough, but it adds another layer to how the control structure is created. Have you ever had anything paranormal or supernatural happen to you? Um, the closest thing I can say, and I, again, I tend to be analytical in things. I tend to approach things from a scientific perspective with the caveat of acknowledging that I can't always use proof based on just sight, sound, taste, you know, that kind of evidence. I've had sleep paralysis, which was scary. I've had nightmares, like, where, you know, I, I wake up, I can't quite move, I'm freaked out, and that feels supernatural. I wouldn't call it supernatural. <clears throat> and to me... The term occult just means hidden, but, like, to me, occult also is old-timey for psychology. That's my opinion. There might be a supernatural element 
to it, but I mostly believe it's psychological. This is my opinion. Um, so I've never really had a supernatural experience. Like I couldn't explain if that makes sense. Sure. How about, well, another obvious hot topic is the whole coronavirus thing. What do you think about that? Is it a made in a lab? Is it uh what do you think is going on there? I think it's a brilliant clusterfuck that I can't quite figure out because I don't know whether it's all fake. Like, my boyfriend yells at me so much because he's like, you think everything, he'll bring up like a new subject and I'll be annoying. He'll be like, you think everything's fake. I'm like, all I can say is we don't know and all we know is what we're told. And he's like, but you keep acting like everything's fake. And I'm like, well, I'm skeptical of everything that I hear because I know it's all contrived and I've been lied to so much. Like, sorry. Um, <clears throat> I don't know whether it's real or whether it's fake or some combination in between. I don't know whether... I do think it would have come from a lab instead of coming from, like, a bat. I think there's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that does the 21 event. Titus Frost does a wonderful breakdown on this where they did a, like, fake simulation of what would happen if coronavirus went out. So I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a brilliant strategy overall to create vaccines and create, like, billions of dollars from vaccines to have more authoritarianism and more government control because it's essentially a perfect witch hunt. You could accuse anyone of having the virus and just throw them in prison or kill them, right? Like, and if it's an act of God, like a weather thing or a virus thing, who's to blame the government for it? You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, like the perfect thing. It makes you wonder because, yeah. like, these elite, they've been doing this sort of thing, you know, population control and wars and stuff like that for thousands of years. It makes you kind of wonder if other plagues, like the Black Plague and the Red Plague and the Purple Plague and all that stuff, it makes you wonder if that was like, even back then, like somehow they had yeah. they had aliens helping them make this stuff or they had you're technology like, we didn't know about. You're like, how far back does this shit go? And that's another one, too, where like I tell my boyfriend, I'm like, all sports games are rigged. He's like, no, they're not. What are you telling me? They physically manipulate reality? I'm like, I don't know. Like, Just I, watch like, the UFC. Watch the UFC. Watch that last John you know, Jones fight. Rigged all the it's, way. <laughs> it's, it's funny because uh, I'm like, it's frustrating because I hate to take a stance on something I don't have evan evidence for because that's objectively wrong. But at the same time, I'm like, I know, like, I'm like, I don't like to use you know, my intuition's fucked in the sense of, like, I don't like to just say, oh, it's an intuition, because your intuition is influenced by your experiences and programming all this other shit. stuff. It's hard to, like, filter out any programming at all. So for me, it's a little bit, like, I'm highly skeptical, and I'm suspicious that it's fake, but I can't figure out yet how it is. I'm not trying to have confirmation bias, like, as in, oh, I'll just research it to prove my own theory. It's more like, but I am really suspicious. Like, if you've ever seen the movie, I think it's called, like, the Management Bureau or something like that, where they literally have people in hats run around and, like, manipulate oh, reality. Oh, what's that movie called? Something the Bureau, yeah. something Bureau. Ah, the Adjustment Bureau. The Adjustment Bureau. That is a fucking badass movie. <laughs> and I always forget to bring that one up when I'm talking about, like, Matrix, Truman we did Show. It. We did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That movie is... That, yeah, that's, that, that's, there's truth in that movie. There's truth. Like, here's what I think personally, and again, like, 
I can't prove it. I think that's what happened. Like, personally, or, like, I think they have a time machine, and they just know how things are going to end, and then work back. Like, like the problem is, when I try to explain it, I kind of spiral, because it's above my pay grade. Like, I, I'm like, I'm suspicious, but I'm a dumb animal. Like, I haven't figured it out. I just know I'm being fucked with, but I can't quite pinpoint how. Maybe, maybe they did not give us... <laughs> Maybe they did not give us the right words and tools in our language to even communicate this stuff to each other. And and what frustrates me, too, this will blow your mind, this will predict me. You and I have to use Hollywood as examples, don't we? Is that frustrating where I'm like, I have to say Truman Show or this movie or that movie because I don't have the words. I literally don't have the words to phrase it any other way. And how heinous is that? Yeah, you know, a lot, like, a lot of these stories and stuff are based on books. I never read the books. Like, <laughs> I watch the movies. I mean. Well, like, Minority Report is a really, really good one. But how frustrating is it? You, you read I'm the like, books? No, I, I think. I heard the books book. way better than the movie. And I like the movie. Yeah. But anyway, no, I haven't, I haven't read the book. But, what, but what's so frustrating, like I said, is, and it's that George Orwellian thing, which is if you control the language, you control the people. It's like it's the only way for us to explain how we're being manipulated is through media and through movies. We're so fucked. Like, do you understand? Because in reality, um, life, or sorry, art imitates life, right? Like in, in objective reality. But the kind of world we live in, it's constantly like with the predictive programming, it's life imitates art that they come up with these concepts first and then try to get people to fulfill them. So when they have like a fake shooting or something like that, and then they have whistle whistles in the news, you know, to try to get people to copycat it and blah, blah, blah. It's because they want to make it a reality, <clears throat> if that makes any sense. No, the, the, the thing we were talking about with Bernie, they're doing it again. They're like... They're releasing, like, all this old footage of him and making us like him. Like, oh, he's a good old boy. Look at him sing. And, you know, he's for the people. But but they're going to do the same thing. They're going to take all these new Bernie supporters and all the people mm. he won over. And he's going to be like, vote for Hillary. Well, it's embarrassing because it's the same playbook over and over. Yeah. And it's like, well, we're born ignorant. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same playbook with just different generations. It's embarrassing. But, hey, but, like, uh, we, yeah. we are we are getting kind of low on time, but I did want to ask you this: like, what are your plans yeah. for the future? I know you're co-host on this great podcast and everything, <laughs> but are you planning to like do your own YouTube channel or go, go on your own? Okay, so my uh, I'll try to make it fast. So my own plans for the future is a combination of trying to sort out what the fuck this is with where we're supposed to go. So it's kind of like uh, I'm gonna keep you know co-hosting. I'm not gonna start my own YouTube channel. Fuck YouTube. Um, I'm going to write a book of essays. I'm having several art shows coming up and I'm trying to reach people through my art. Like what I'm thinking about doing for my art show coming up is having my art on the walls <coughs> of this cafe. And I'm going to make a list of printouts for people of links and sources and things like that and say, Hey, here's some info about me. Here's some interesting things. And if you want to learn more, look down these rabbit holes. Like how, you know, like Larkin Rose talks about, um, Candles in the Dark is basically like a seminar someone can take, which is basically how do you reach people that believe in something completely different than you, and how do you deprogram people in a way that's not going to scare them off and stuff like that. I'm going to keep writing comedy to reach people. I'm going to go to anarchy festivals and try to be amongst those people and free thinkers, and even maybe I'll come across status and, and try to talk to them 
I think I'm going to try to use myself as an example, which is I'm going to try to figure out how to problem solve this whole slavery thing and unfuck myself from all these lies and programs and figure out how I'm supposed to be living my life. And from there, I can create a guideline for other people, not to tell them what to do. And it is so individualized, but I can at least like try to live the kind of life that I'm espousing and try to live as close to my values and philosophy as possible. I'm going to keep learning how to make soap and how to grow mushrooms and how to I'm interested in homesteading. Like, that's something I want to do. I want to have all the things that Owen Benjamin has. It's just like you can send me some of those. You can send me some of those mushrooms in the mail if you want. <laughs> Non-psychedelic. Non-psychedelic. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna grow mushrooms to cook. <laughs> well, I'm a cook, so I can appreciate yeah, that. Well, but what I'm gonna do? I joined a prepper group. I do like bushcrafts and hiking and things like that with them. I'm trying to like, I'm like, oh shit! I was lied to my whole life. How do I rectify this? I'm trying to learn all the sp- stuff that like is useful and good and moral that like I wanted to learn. I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, learn self sufficiency. So how do I take care of myself while helping other people get free from the servile society while helping like make the world a better place and the kind of place that I want to live in? So those are all the projects and things that I'm currently doing. Again, like going to those anarchy festivals, trying to reach people, trying to learn how to do things for myself so I can teach other people, like all the organic stuff we're supposed to be doing and working through my own logical fallacies and and um all those things simultaneously because when you don't have anyone telling you what to do and you're responsible for your own life what do you do with it that's the question that i'm basically trying to get after okay i got a perfect sense i I got that question from al if you're ready for it yeah (laughs) yeah so his question is he says he agrees with a lot of what you're saying but what he's wondering is without a government Who's supposed to protect us from predators like murderers and rapists and child molesters and thieves? Okay. So here's here's the deal. So government is just organized murders and rapists and thieves in suits. It is all those things. Because government isn't a magical entity. It's a, it's a corporation run by a bunch of individuals. Individuals that are either stupid or have ill intent. Usually a ill intent. Um, and they're child molesters. One, oh my goodness, my goodness! That that's what I want to say to people is like, hey, do you believe pedophilia is wrong? Oh, you do, right? We agree on that. Do you think that pedophilia should be our kings? <laughs> They'd be like, what? <laughs> they like you like you realize most of them are pedophilia for all kinds of reasons. But to answer his question, one, everyone should be able to operate with the right of self defense. You should be able to have a gun. And self, you know, defend yourself, right? Number two, uh, you could hire, you know, privatize things. You could hire your own mercenary. You could hire your own police force if you wanted to. And, uh, you know, other people could chip in. A community, for instance, could have their own private militia. Everyone in your community could have a gun. If they wanted to have a border, they they could. Although generally people, free-thinking people, you know, want to be with freedom of association, not necessarily at borders. But everyone protecting themselves, being responsible for themselves, could hire private militia. There you go. The police that are here are not here to help and are not your friend. As dictated by the Supreme Court, they're there to enforce code. They don't have to protect you. That's, you know, the truth. We, 
The reality is we're responsible for our own protection all the time. Whether we can afford it or not, or like people could maybe have a charity to help chip in or things like that. So I don't have an ideal answer all the time, but the system that we have is not your friend and for your benefit, if that answers the question. And I do have another question. Andy from the chat, he just wants to know where he can find your podcast. So he can reach, um, I, I co-host RTR Truth Media. I think I sent you the link in, on Twitter and like a DM or something, the, the specific link. But if you were to Google RTR Truth Media, it'll bring you to Tom Lakota's site. And it's also under Republican Broadcasting Network, which is what it's played on. Uh, and that is on Sundays at um, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then I think 10 to um, 11 Mountain Standard Time or Pacific or something like that. Todd, I, like, I, I don't have my own podcast. I don't think I'm going to make one because I want to make a book and I, I want to go to festivals in person and I have my artist website. So... You know, trying to do other things too. But go. Todd says you crushed the interview just now. <laughs> I don't get voted off the island. I get to live. No, I I don't know. Thank you, Todd. I really appreciate that. And crushing, like, there's a lot of good Owen Benjamin terminology. I appreciate. <laughs> and in closing, closing, Rachel, I do want to open things up one more time. And just let you right. go ahead and jump back on the pulpit. And just say whatever you want to say to my audience out there. And just go ahead and follow that up with anything at all that you would like to plug. Anything remaining. Okay. So I do want to plug a few things. I have my own artist website. www.amertastudios.com That's A-M-R-E-A Studios.com um, I I do want to say that thank you so much for tuning in, and I think it's wonderful you have listeners that care about the truth. I would say it's super important for us to pursue the truth in order for us to have right information, right action, and a good life. And it's important for us to put our egos aside. Egos are super important. They're a part of you, but knowing when to put it aside and admit when we're wrong, which is something that's difficult. And also, you should expect solutions from news people in the sense of it's wonderful to consume content, but make sure you're doing something in your day-to-day life to make your life better because otherwise that content just becomes another form of, like, infotainment and fear porn eventually. So ask yourself the question, what am I doing in my daily life? That Am I living in line with my values? And... What am I doing to help give myself freedom and other people freedom and understanding, taking it a little beyond freedom? How can I make the world a better place for everyone to live in and be a part of and be proud of? So I'm going to quote Julia from Brave the World that she says, do what is hard and do what is right. And not to be cliche about that, but that's a really good guiding stone for, for a lot of right action in the world. So, um, Try to figure out how to undomesticate yourself, not take orders from other people and think for yourself. And it is going to involve a lot of pain and a lot of work. And ever since I became an anarchist, I have to use my brain all the time. 
<laughs> I, I can't operate on autopilot and get away with anything. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> so um, check out Vanu Podcast. My friend Shane runs a wonderful podcast. Vanu, V-O-N-U, podcast is short for voluntariness, and it talks about the servile society and all the what next, which is what I'm so obsessed with. Once you figure out the government's bullshit, once you figure out you've been lied to, what do you do? Where do you go? Right? Like, how do you live your life? He's so good on that podcast about being organized and doing wonderful interviews and talking about autonomous zones and the second realm and how people can really do things differently and creatively in their lives. So that's something I infinitely appreciate. Again, don't fall for the Nicholas Fuentes and the people in the nice suits scaring the shit out of you for Israel. It's like, yeah, there's real things out there and that's absolutely true. But what are you going to do about it? Right? If you're not going to sit there and take it just on a TV screen. It's pretty much something else to think about. So uh, any more questions? I hope I answered that. No, that that was uh, great. Like Todd said in the chat, you definitely crushed it tonight. I had a great time. Uh, you were on for two hours, went by pretty quick, so it must have been pretty good. Uh, Rachel, I like I said, I enjoyed having you on and definitely would like to uh, catch up with you on in the future. You have a lot of great opinions, a lot of great philosophy to talk about. Uh, you're very knowledgeable in the conspiracy field. We can uh, bring you back and see what you're up to or maybe, maybe even bring you in for a debate or something like that. Yeah. By the way, I want to say real fast, the next time I talk to you, I want to ask you questions and get to know more of you. This, like, this episode was kind of about laying the foundation of my background and how I came to be where I am. I hate talking about myself. It's gross. It's like, bleh, but because uh, <laughs> I don't like being egocentric. But, you know, you know, next time we talk, I want to have more back and forth dialogue. Sure, style. and, and we I, can, I we can do, get into it. Yeah, yeah. I do do yeah, interviews, yeah. so if you ever want to interview me, I'd be totally down for that. You, you'll definitely uh, find out how how loony and crazy I am. I, by the way, oh, I just want to say real fast, I love like there's a part of me like even though it's the new world order and it's so scary, like I love problem solving and figuring out puzzles and analyzing and being like having crazy. I love hearing conspiracy theories. I love hearing. I have you heard of the higher side chat? Oh, yeah, I know Greg. He's he's an acquaintance. Yeah, like, I listen to his channel all the time. Like, I enjoy hearing different things outside of my own echo chamber and worldview to question my own. And I love, like, hearing those things. Like, for Flat Earth, for instance, I don't necessarily believe the Earth is flat, but I love hearing about it and, like, engaging in that and and hearing other people be excited about that and sort of like, let's talk about the various theories of things. Like, I think that's super important. So I, I think that's like awesome. But yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Sorry about going over time. There's quite a lot of ground to cover. And thank you so much to your listeners. And thank you for the service you do pursuing truth and trying to help people figure it all out. Yeah, absolutely. I I do appreciate everything you just said. And, uh, you know, really, I thank you. It was a tremendous interview, uh, amazing discussion, and a little bit different. <laughs> like, uh, one problem we uh -oh. have with this show, you know, is, mm. is it's, it is like almost all guys. I have trouble finding female guests that are engaging and interesting. And I, I hope that doesn't sound terrible, but it's just kind of the reality of the show that I do. And I, I appreciate you coming on and having a, a strong uh, opinion and a strong perspective. It's just really, really different. And I noticed the listeners are already giving good feedback. So just a bunch <laughs> of home runs. For cool. And by the way, I'm totally open to criticism and people being like, fuck you in your face and you're wrong. Like, okay. Like just at least, 
engage on an honest <laughs> level and, <laughs> and say, like, you know, if you don't agree with something, because sometimes I've learned things from talking to people I don't agree with or it reinforces what I thought before. And if I can't argue my point, then there's something wrong with what I believe, you know. And I just want to say real fast, like, yes, there are more men than women in the truth movement. But like I mentioned much earlier, that's kind of partly by design in the, in the sense that, like, on, and we're going to talk about averages because people are individuals, blah, 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 disclaimer all over again. Julia from Brave the World, who I mentioned, is very good at discussing this. I think she talked on, like, Guns and Bitcoin podcast where women would more lean towards socialism because there's a communal way of being and they're more dependent on, uh, they're more vulnerable and more dependent on each other resources. So women tend to operate in a more cohesive social unit that requires, like, what they think of each other is important. Their social status is important. What they say and do is reflection of their beliefs is important, and they're judged by that. There's no alpha card to throw down and say, like, I get to break all the rules. In the, I'm not saying, like, everyone's an autonomous being, but I think they're, they're, they're held to a different standard. Than, say, police, they police each other more, I think. Um, no, I know what you mean, because, like, yeah. women... Women will protect each other, even if they don't necessarily know each other that well. They kind of have that sort of already sort of communal sort of feel, whereas guys will kind of be like, you know, fuck you. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. For me, for me, I try to approach things from a rational, logical perspective, and I enjoy stoicism, Marcus Aurelius. So I'm a very emotional, empathetic person, but I keep all the annoying stuff inside. Like... <laughs> It's not it's not that I'm not feminine at all or I I don't subscribe to any sort of like stereotype things about women at all. It's more like I approach things from a from my own mental point of origin as Rolo Tomasi would say from the rational male. Um he also by the way, that's another rabbit hole to go down if your listeners are interested in terms of intersexual dynamics and gender dynamics and the gender war, the cultural war taking place. You mentioned transgenderism He's wonderful about talking about that. Rolo Tomasi from The Rational Male. And that's part of the Manosphere Red Pill. But he's part of the authentic, truth-seeking portion of that. Not just, like, the people that are there to make a buck by telling people how to have game that's based off of something that they made up or something. Like, he's someone... That's a, that's a whole... And, by the way, I just want to say real fast, it's kind of a problem. Like, there's so many rabbit holes. And there's not enough of a bridge between a lot of them. Oh yeah, it never um, it never ends. That that so, I, I got to the point where I was just almost fed up with everything because one rabbit hole led to another one and another one, and you just start to kind of lose your freaking mind at some point. <laughs> well, it's not so much that there's so many things to question as more of like I see philosophical inconsistency in people. So, for instance, someone will debunk something but believe in other garbage. Like like how many anarchists do you know are like. Oh, all vaccines are bad or something when, when there's a lot of research and case by case and different things they take into consideration where they oversimplify a subject where it becomes another dichotomy. It's hard to censor and not do that. Like, like, um, no, I know, you know completely what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, an example I can bring yeah. up, uh, this whole thing about the planes during nine 11 being holograms. I personally <laughs> don't believe that. And people like, oh, I heard be, about that. because yeah. that's sort of what everybody believes. No I get so frustrated. Cause I'm like, no, they weren't holograms. Why do you believe that? Cause somebody said it looks like a hologram. That's all the evidence you have is it looks like a hologram. Yeah. To your listeners, 
it's hard not to get caught up in the minutia of the details and be like, shut up, Ryan Doss. Like, I get it. I totally get it. It was energy weapons. But my point is, everyone just... <laughs> I'm just kidding. But my point is... <laughs> I'm everyone, like, oh, no, don't say anything. <laughs> but my point is, we need to stop, like... And by the way, I'm not talking about fake liberal, like, adhesion, because that's what the New World Order does with globalization. It's a fake, like accept everyone, have no judgment, and everything is subjective. I don't mean like a fake coming together, but it's like a genuine, sometimes we need to take a step back, stop arguing about the details of a false flag event, and be like, okay, I'm sorry, like, we're generally around the periphery yeah, you of know, the same. The, the, weird like, thing, yeah, yeah. the weird thing about it, like you said earlier, is um, like it's it's considered to be acceptable and the way that everybody thinks for some of this stuff like male athletes and female sports. But if you went out and actually asked people, I don't think anybody would agree to that. It's crazy. And I, I tend to see myself like, even when I was a liberal, I would have thought that was crazy. Like there's a line, like to me, I'm like, there has to be a line, right? Like at what point do you go, Oh, people have the right to be crazy and do whatever. But as soon as you, lie about objective reality that's going to upset me like i'm the kind of person where if someone was trans and they're like call me male i'll be like okay i don't care that's what you want to be called i get it whatever but like as soon as they start saying that science like that there's more than one you know sex or something like it'll bother me like once they start like lying about reality in, in that sense and trying to change books and stuff like where we have a problem like that's <laughs> Does that make yeah, sense? no, it does because like when they yeah. tell if if somebody went up to a little boy and said you can change into a girl, that's not really true. You can take hormones yeah. that like do certain things, but can you actually change your gender? Well, not not really, not as much as the impression that you're giving this kid. So in a, in a sense, that is kind of lying to them. Yeah, well, here's a, here's a really important line that your viewers can take away that I think is incredibly helpful is that in addition to freedom, the most important thing is truth because. Without freedom, you can't pursue the truth. And without truth, you can't come to freedom. Like, th- that's pretty much it. Um, it's pretty much truth, freedom, the non-aggression principle, like, all those things sort of glued together. Dan from Overwatch, by the way, does a really good job. Overwatch Project does an amazing job of taking all the different theories and trying to sort out what is objectively correct based on logical fallacies and, and, and philosophical consistency. It's really... He's one of the few people I see who does that because again there's people who will will be objectively like they'll be wrong about something and it's frustrating because sometimes the best thing we can say is I don't know like it's easier to debunk something than it is to say what happened and that is incredibly frustrating because it's like you and I want to like we need closure like we want to know how the hell they pulled this whole thing off right like so many things but at the same time it's like we're never going to know 100% like that's that's so like it's and we have to move on from it. We can't stay there. Just like with drugs, drugs can be a tool to learn and grow, but you can't stay there. You know what I mean? Like you can't just get stuck there because that's what will happen is people, like when I, I mentioned co-hosting RTR Truth, we talk about the news, but I try to sometimes reroute it and talk about solutions and things so that our audience isn't just constantly like edgelording, stuck on this fake conservative and that fake, it's like, okay, the system's fake. What do you, what do you do now? You know, before I, before I let you go, I do want to ask you the big question. Is the earth flat? (laughs) I personally think that it's either a hologram 
kind of the whole illusion of Maya. And it's, fu- it's, it's fundamental core level. I do think this is all like either electricity instead of matter or like something like that. But the way that we interact with it, it becomes physical, right? I would say in the physical sense, I do think it's, it's rounded. Um, I do think at the same time, it, NASA does lie, <laughs> which doesn't help. <laughs> um, and I do think it's rounded based on how uh, ra- like radio waves and stuff have are interfered by the curve of the Earth. But at the same time, who knows if it's, not to be solipsistic, if it's a simulation or something. I think part of the reason people are so obsessed with the Earth being flat is the idea of it supporting the Bible and it's supporting the idea of God's existence. I know I'm tangenting here, but to me, like, even if you were to say there's a creator or whatever, I don't think there's anything to say that the Bible is empirically true. Not that it can't have truth in it, but it's almost like we don't definitively know what the word of God is because man has always written it down, so there's a problem. You know what I'm saying? No, that's that's perfect. That makes a lot of sense. I thought he said it strangled me. <laughs> no, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, there there is a strong, I would say, faith side to a lot of the flat earth stuff. I think that uh, you do have a strong contingent there of people that are like, this proves what I believe. I'm, so I'm going to stick I, with this. I will admit real fast, I apologize for being high maintenance to listen to because people have to think when they listen to me. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Like, no, no, that's, that's perfect. Sorry. This is the end of the radio, and it's all about about it's all about getting your mind blown. The more sometimes I'm at, if yeah. if I don't bring people content that blows their minds like constantly, I can never live up to the standard. Like people just want to have mind blowing shit all the time, and I can never live up to that because that's what they expect so, now. And not that I'm right about everything, but ever since like I left college and institutionalized education and became an anarchist, I started teaching myself my you know, education level went up exponentially because I managed to catch up on a bunch of conspiracies like other things because I was like, well, what is the truth? And I can, like, study things on my own without someone telling me not to or saying... And what's nice is when you get into this stuff, it does force you to educate yourself on other things like science and math and stuff like that. Exactly. It spirals out into other things and it should spiral out into self-sufficiency, into homesteading, into, like, you know... I don't. I, I joke that it's the Amish pill, but it's in a sense, it's like you become Amish pills. You're like, oh, you know, they're homesteading and building barns and everything makes sense. Like that's. I, I tend to look at things from an Epicurean and Stoicism uh, point. The Epicurean idea is we should derive joy from small pleasures, not hedonism, but like growing a garden and making our own food and. And learning how to use a gun, and it's like all those self-sufficiency things. Because otherwise, we're just cocks of whatever system wants power, essentially. <laughs> like, well, we're gonna have to get into the Second Amendment and guns and and robots and all the things that we didn't talk about yes. tonight. Next time we yes. get together. But until then, I do want to <laughs> thank you one more time for joining us, Rachel. And I, I wish you to have a great um, immediate future. And we will catch yeah. up. We will catch up later. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to your listeners. Please, like, I would happily interview you or have you come on RTR Truth Media and do a call with us or something like that. We'll figure it out. I look forward to talking with you in the future. So thank you again for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Just- and thank you for your work, too, and what you contribute to the truth movement. And I see you fighting with people all the time. 
<laughs> like, I oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check me out on Twitter. So, uh, Rachel, uh, again, uh, had a great uh, time. Uh, did you want to plug your Twitter? I, did, I don't yes, think we ever did that. Um, yes, my Twitter is R-D-T-O-B-I-A-S, I believe. That's where I feel stupid. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I, I have, <laughs> that is that is my Twitter, and people can hit me up. And I posted, I posted and made sure to post a little bit of my stand-up on there. Awesome. You know, I didn't want to do my stand-up here because it's not quite like I can't just yell at you things like it's not when, when comics right. come <laughs> on here. When comics come on here, like the last three or four comics I had on here, it was like not comedy at all. It was like, and the the first two were like depressing. I wanted to kill myself afterwards. But that's where a lot of stand up comes from, oh. are like these feelings of just like hating the world and being depressed. <laughs> what a, and I'm cool with criticism, or I'm cool with people saying it's not funny, and how can I do it better? And I hate when people are like. I've had a friend who will say uh, when he goes to my shows, he's like, I promise I'll laugh. I'm like, that's not the point. Like, you, you have to, I have to earn it. I'm working. Like, I want to earn it from you. I want to take it from you. Um, but it, but it's kind of frustrating. And I just want to say real fast when I posted it, some people said, I, I'm like, what do you think of my stand-up? Is it funny? And they're like, you're brave for doing that. And I'm like, it's not a calendar. It's a clip. Like, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's just kind of a weird, sketchy thing. People say, you're brave. I'm like, just do it. No one's going to punch you in the face. There's no physical consequence like skydiving. Like, Well, well you, you kind of remind <laughs> me of like, I mean, you you might not like this, but you you seem like you might be able to go down like the Bill Hicks sort of route. I kind of see that in you a little bit. I could see you dying the same way Bill Hicks did. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't live his lifestyle but or act like him. Don't be, don't be rude to the audience. <laughs> but I, I think, I think the... Kind of political sort of thing. I mean, he was a little bit more right wing, but I think you could kind of have your own sort of, you know, following of people that appreciate the comedy and want to hear a little bit more smarter stuff. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. No, I just want to say real fast. I think another way to rephrase that question is, you seem like you're at high risk for depression. But um, <laughs> category. But um. Yes and no. I think the problem with that too is I do want to do more comedy, make people laugh. And I think about Dave Smith is considered like the libertarian comedian. I want to talk about anarchy and comedy. I think the problem with stand-up sometimes is that it gets pushed towards like the right-left paradigm. Like you have to make fun of the left and then you make fun of the right. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to just make fun of Trump or I don't want to just, I want people to think and philosophy isn't funny. <laughs> you like slavery. Oh, what was the joke I came up with at one point? I said, like, freedom isn't funny, but slavery is or something. And I was like, oh, I can't say that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's not okay. That's very borderline. <laughs> not the way. But sometimes, the way. but sometimes that's the path to greatness is just kind of walking that sort of, like, you know, that middle ground and saying that stuff. That's It, it just has to, like, get you yeah. in trouble, but not enough that you get taken off the air or you lose your gig. Like, um, so many of these guys uh, – Kevin Hart. I, and I do want to, yeah, I do want to utilize my position. I want to utilize my position as a woman in comedy so people uh, people can't be mad at me for being a white guy. Because it's like, they're like, I want to end you, but I don't, they're like, I, I have to figure it out. Because I'm it's, female it's, and uh, I'm a Jew. You can't say anything bad about me ever now. <laughs> I got the double whammy. Like, <laughs> Go ahead and try it. And I'm a Jew. And as soon as I cripple myself, I'm going for that triple goal. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. 
<laughs> yeah, go out there in a wheelchair. No one can say shit. I'm retarded, so it's true. Yeah, just go up with a crutch. <laughs> and I'll just, I'll just get up there, and I'll be like, cheers, celebrate. Hanukkah huh, by ruining Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. I'll just, no, I'll come up with better material. But, yeah, no, I, I like Tim Dillon, by the way, in terms of comedy. I think what you're going for and referring to, kind of, in terms of Bill Hicks, is I would say modern day Tim Dillon is really killing it. <laughs> it's it also it kind of what Joe Rogan does a little bit too. I mean, he's not totally like oh, all about that, God. but kind of. Fuck, fuck Rogan, man. And no one wrote about it. Yeah, I'm having trouble no with one... that. When I when it first started coming around, I was like mud flood, mud fuck. I didn't even really know what to think about that, and I didn't really. I had so much other stuff going on and so many other sort of things like conspiracies and stuff I, like I that. You, like I, I was just you. starting to yeah. get into flat earth, et cetera, et cetera. So I sort of glossed over it. And it's not that I didn't think, Hey, there's something here. I just never got that time or opportunity to look into it. But you're right. There's something weird with that. And the evidence is physical. The evidence is physical. Like, um, yeah. what's it called? Easter Island. Photographs. Those heads that are in the ground, they have huge Easter bodies Island. attached to them. Yeah. 30 feet. They're buried 30 feet. Yeah. Does that mean that the island suddenly grew 30 feet or did 30 feet of mud fall from the sky, which twists your brain? Yeah. Why would 30, how could 30 feet of mud fall from the sky everywhere? And then I don't no know. one report it in our history. But I don't that's know. The mud flood. Yeah, I, I can't answer those questions. Uh, my whole thing I, is. If we are in some kind of closed game preserve or matrix or prison or whatever you want to call it, obviously they did this yeah. on purpose. Like they hit the button to make the mud fall down or some, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody hit that recent. What if a comet, what, what about a comet exploded or some kind of meteorite like exploded up at the top of the solar system of our atmosphere and, uh, and then rain did rain down? Or blew up a part of the earth and it threw mud up everywhere and then that rained down. Well, look, the fact let's, that... Let's not say matrix. Let's say maybe some some object hit the earth. The fact that, like you said, Todd, nobody recorded it, nobody fucking talked about it or anything like that, yeah. that tells you something. That tells you that our history was written afterwards, after the mud flood. It's like yeah. somebody went back and... That's what tripped you. Yeah, Max Egan, he came on here and he's like, he's telling me the Roman Empire was probably fake. And I mean, you know me, Todd. That's I love, right. I love Roman history. I mean, I'm not a huge buff on it, but I love yeah. that stuff. The eagles, the armor. No, we the sit and debate back and forth about ancient Rome and history yeah. and, and Christianity and all that. Yeah, we sit and do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the whole Roman thing. And for me to accept that there was no Roman Empire, that's depressing to me because. You know, what happens to Gladiator? What happens to this? What happens to that? That's a fucking huge bummer, but it very well might be true. The, I mean, we know that the Christianity It's the same thing, idea that history may be shorter than they've told you, and it might be more manipulated closer than you know, you know, for well, present date. Well, just like they did the whole thing with the uh, Council of Nicaea and the, you know, the, yeah. the uh, 
the condensing that, of all that the, they've told us about that they've told us about. Yeah, just like they did that with the condensing of the of the books to form the Bible and all that. Maybe maybe it goes beyond that. Maybe they also wrote this whole prehistory and they made up all this stuff about a Roman Empire that never existed. Maybe the only Roman Empire was the Holy Roman Empire and that whole history beforehand was just something that they kind of constructed. Or maybe they've added 400 years to the calendar. Maybe they've used... Think about it for a minute. The whole world's run by three different belief systems. Five different belief systems. The whole world, you know, spiritual belief systems. Doesn't that sound like a giant control mechanism? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm starting to feel. Like, I told you about my whole theory. It's it's kind of a joke and kind of a theory. I mean, I, I'm not planning to go Hollywood with it. Yeah, the Technodome, exactly. That this thing, this AI or whatever it is, we're inside of a closed system. There's a lot of electronic devices involved. And this system or this thing, this robot we live inside, it wrote our history, and it's just presenting just a false sort of, world and a false history and it, just like if we go and play a video game and there's a world inside of there and it has a backstory and all of that like if we watch lord of the rings or game of thrones there's a whole backstory and history there or star wars is a backstory and history doesn't mean it's real it's just a fake backstory and history that reminds you of um the um the the popular movie where the girls fighting the girl that's fighting in the arena. I can't even remember. Is that that show. Battle Angel Attila or something like that? Or no, the the the, the popular movie. They made five of them now. Oh shit! Them. That has a woman fighting in a ring. No, all the people are fighting in the show. The girls, the guys. They bring the youngest. They pick them out of their village. The Hunger Games? What was the name of that show? Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. That's games. predictive program. I've never seen it, but I've heard about some of the stuff that goes you know, on in there. My wife got into that story before I ever knew what it was, and she's like, this sounds like what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, really? What's that? And, you know, watch the Hunger Games. You're like, yeah, that kind of looks like what these guys would probably love to have happen. Yeah. The people that run the world. Isn't there some kind of dome in Hunger Games? Something like that? Or am I mixing there's it up with something else? Yeah. No, there's a computer thing over the top of the... So there's a techno-dome in Hunger Games. There's a techno-dome in Hunger Games. <laughs> there you go. Yep. This fucking thing appears in so many different movies. It's He he has cameos in all these different movies. Techno-dome. Techno-dome. As each person gets killed in the Hunger Games... It lets the other players know one person's been eliminated because it's all about who's going to rise to the top. Because <laughs> your village will get more food next year. And that's it's not the only you're... only uh, you know you have the obvious ones: the Terminator, the Matrix, the Truman Show, uh, the Adjustment Bureau. The Truman Show. The Thirteenth Floor. Notice how a lot of your guests bring up the Truman Show, including you. You know, on, all the time. It's kind of like the Truman Show, Daniel, where he wakes up and realizes there's computers, you know, some simulation all around him. Well, Truman was played by Jim Carrey, right? Truman yeah, Show. I never, I never saw it. I what, never saw it. What if it turned out that 
Jim Carrey was like really Truman and we're all just like actors and we think we're real, but the only real person is Jim Carrey. And that's why he acts so weird. That's why he makes faces and he's all like, because he's just freaking out because he, he knows he's in the middle of a Matrix or a Truman show. Mm-hmm. So that's the stupidest idea. I'd be weird. <laughs> I'd be weird. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite. I, I love your guest, Rachel. Have you, you, have got, you seen you the bring Todd, Rachel, hold on, hold Rachel on. back. Todd, gotta, hold on. Yeah. Have you seen the Ace Ventura movies? Yep. Aren't they fucking hilarious? So funny. So you're, you're a Jim Carrey fan. I love that first one. No, I'm not a huge Jim Carrey fan. But that first Ace Ventura was hilarious. That's pretty funny. What about the second one? I, I don't even remember the second one, actually. Oh, man, you got to see the second one. It's so funny. Go on. No, there's nothing else to say. I'm just saying watch what was Ace the Ventura funny? Too. I don't want to ruin it for you. Well, just watch first... it. Everything that's funny about the first All one, right, it's like times two in the sequel. Well, the first one um, was classic. It had that beautiful actress. Yeah. It was that beautiful actress um, um, that was in Blade Runner. Oh, shoot. I'd have to look that God, one up. I can't remember her name. She's so beautiful back in the 80s. Um, Daniel, before I let you go tonight, you know it's Valentine's. You know it's Valentine's Day. Yeah. It is Valentine's Day. To give a Valentine's to someone, buddy? Courtney Cox. Did you give a Valentine's to someone? Yeah, Courtney Cox. Didn't you hear me? Courtney Cox? Yeah. I'm a big fan of Courtney Cox, so I sent her a Valentine. Well, it's not a bad person to send one to, I guess. Yeah. And I also sent one to Jennifer Aniston. And Scarlett Johansson. You might and... piss Brad Pitt off there, buddy. Oh yeah, I do not want to fight that guy. He could kill me in one punch. He'd do a flamethrower, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But actually, that was uh. Hollywood. That was Leonardo that had the flamethrower. It wasn't. Oh yeah, he was the stuntman. Pardon me. What about that movie, Todd? Let's talk about that movie. Let's but, talk about that movie for a yes. minute. Did you like that or not? Yes, I loved it so much. You remember Max Cole, you right? You loved that. You remember Max Cole? Oh, I love Max. So I right, love Max. Right after I, yeah, Max. We all love Max. So right after I watched yeah, that I love movie, Max. I was texting Max Cole, Max Cole, and I was like, Max! Tarantino's back! This movie's a shit! This movie's a shit! It's so awesome! Did you- bah, 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 bah. Did you see it in the theater? No, I just bought the Blu-ray. I didn't even read a review or anything. Oh, yeah, me too. I saw it on TV. Tarantino, Brad Pitt, Leonardo. I'm buying that. Forget, Mm -hmm. like, even Mm -hmm. reading a review. You bought that fucker straight out. You didn't rent it. You just bought it. I just bought it. I just bought it. Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah. Go on. uh, Like I said, Tarantino is back. That movie is... Like the quintessential fucking awesome movie of the year or the past ten years, if you ask me. I love I love how they were rolling through California, nineteen sixty eight, showing the old advertisements. It looks so real, you know. 
Yeah. How it would so look cool. back then. The people, the music. Yeah. So fun and stunning. That's what. That's why I loved no. it so much because it pulls you right. Not that I was even alive back then, but it pulls you right into the sixties. Oh yeah, such a great recreation of the the time period. Yeah. The only thing, my one criticism is I, I the Bruce Lee stuff kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit because I know he wasn't really that much of a jerk. But other than that, that had to be like the perfect movie. Then I'll give you my criticism in a nutshell why I didn't like it. I kind of thought before I saw it that they were going to tell you about Charlie Manson and what went on there. Because mm-hmm. that was one of the craziest, almost a cultural changing situation with Charlie Manson killing those people and uh, the crazy cult. I thought they were going to tell you kind of how that went down. When it was over, I realized that it was just a fiction. And then I'm like, and then, and then I realized the movie's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which means it's all a fiction. So they took some real stuff and did, you know, Quentin Tarantino, a total fiction around Charlie Manson. And then they twisted it at the end, Daniel, where the Hollywood actors are the heroes burning Manson's followers, kicking their teeth out. And uh, like a Hollywood fantasy that Quentin Tarantino would produce right on a napkin in a fucking restaurant while he's eating lunch. Yeah, Tarantino... I don't like those hippies. Mm -hmm. I don't like those hippies. No, it was really prejudiced against hippies, for one. And uh, a total fiction. Well, so don't go to that movie thinking you're going to learn about Charlie Manson. Well, we got to take into account that the Manson murders were pretty much what stopped the hippie movement. That was the end of it because the hippies, they were cast in an extremely negative light after that, where before they were peace and love, after these murders happened, you know, that, that was it. You didn't see hippies after that. That was 1969, and by the 70s, uh, you know, you had a few stragglers. Just like you have nowadays, you still have hippies, but it's just not anywhere close to what it was. If you give the end of the movie away, Daniel, do they sue your podcast? What? If we gave the end of the movie away, would they sue your podcast? No. I, no. No, there's... Quentin no. Tarantino changes... Quentin Tarantino changes the timeline and... Um, the woman that was killed in the Manson murders, she lives because the two actors in Quentin Tarantino's movie kill the hippies. Ridiculous. Funny, funny, but ridiculous. Yeah, I, I'm a big... I got excited about this movie because I am a big... Sharon I, I have an Tate, interest in Sharon the Manson Tate, murders. Sharon Tate was murdered in real life. And the movie says, what, what, how would it be if the hippies went to the wrong address? That's the end of the, of the movie. Yeah. They didn't go to Sharon Tate's house. They went to Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio's. And here's what those guys would do to them if Charlie Manson's hitman came to their house. Do you see this? What one thing that I did like about the movie was you remember how uh, Leonardo he was playing in a cowboy movie 
inside of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought that cowboy movie looked mm-hmm. good. I want to watch that cowboy movie. I think Leo would be an insanely good bad bar in an old-fashioned cowboy movie. You know what was funny? You know what was funny? What? I have a Mad Magazine subscription. That's the one thing my wife gives me every year for my birthdays. A Mad Magazine subscription. Two months before the movie came out, Mad Magazine came out, with Leonardo DiCaprio on the cover as that cowboy. And when the movie came out, he was holding the magazine in the movies. Oh, that's awesome. Is that predictive programming, Daniel? Um, no, it just sounds is like Mad they worked magazine, something out with Mad Magazine. Is Mad Magazine, Mad Magazine's working something out with Tarantino. Yeah. And that's all good because you like Tarantino, you like Mad Magazine. Who doesn't like Tarantino or Mad Magazine? You'd have to be out of your mind. Yeah, pretty fucking funny. Kind of like your show. No, I I get why some people don't like Tarantino. Like, everything he does is not gold. There's things that, I mean, not all of his movies are up to par. But this last one was just as good as his best ones. Oh, Oh, dude. One of my all-time favorite movies, Death Proof. Death Proof. Yeah, that's Didn't a good turn, one. You know. That's the one about the cars, right? The girls that turn turn things around yeah, like a psycho driving that a car. Is... Yeah, that was... And Kurt Russell plays the guy that's picking up the girls at the bar. He's like, See, hey, I'll give yeah. you a ride. That's classic Ooh, Tarantino. Gosh. That's classic Tarantino he's talk. All locked you're... In. Yeah, yeah, he's all locked in. Yeah, you're expecting one you're expecting one thing, and he gives you something completely different. Uh huh. And yeah, that had Kurt Russell movie. in there. Go watch Death Proof. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell best performance. And Whoa. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go watch Death Proof if you haven't seen it. Yeah, watch all of the Tarantino movies. Like start at the beginning. Start and at if Red you want to see some hot girls, yeah, some hot girls in that movie. Isn't Eliza Dushku <laughs> in it? Yeah, it's got that one girl that. Suing Harvey Weinstein for taking advantage of her. Oh. Let's get off. Yeah. You know that, you remember the one, remember the one, Daniel, I forget her name. The one that really started saying, hi, Harvey Weinstein. I forget her name, but she was in. Rose McGowan? I don't know. A Tarantino movie. I'm not sure. There's so many that have been accusing him, and I can't even remember who. Exactly but there's the Rose Here, McGowan. Rose McGowan. Is it, is it Rose McGowan? Boom. Oh, okay. It is Rose McGowan. She was in Planet Terror. Beautiful. And uh, she was in Death Proof. She's the one that Kurt Russell kills in the movie Death Proof. Yeah, Rose McGowan Super is hot. in it. Yeah. Super hot. Yeah. After Harvey Weinstein got done with her in this whole legal process, she's looking a little... Yeah, I get a little mixed up and I forget who's in what, but Death Proof has Zoe Bell, Rosario Dawson, Rose McGowan, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Kurt Russell, and et cetera, et cetera. Eli Roth. He always gets a lot of good names in his movies. But she's the one dude that said... Harvey Weinstein hired a Jewish secret security black op or you know black ops 
group called the Black Cube to smear on that subject. She said that... Did you see that in the paper? There, yeah. There's, okay, hold on. Okay. She's saying that, that there is the, a group called the Black Cube that has the a... Black Cube. And what they do is they smear people's names. They, they're like they're like evil they find publicists. everything they find about you and then they make it look like you're... They just kill you in the press and everywhere they can and you don't even know they're... They sent people to your house to pretend to be your friends and interviewer. That is crazy. That I didn't story? know anything about that. That's interesting. I'm glad you brought you that up. You didn't hear anything about that? I read... Yeah, it's it's hard for <laughs> me to keep up stories. on everything. You know, what, Rose, you know what? Rose McGowan's the only one that's still pursuing the black cube. Hmm. The Israeli... Um, if they're not... Don't call them Israeli. Just call them ex-Mossad agents that work for a private company. So this like is tied... Wait, hold on. Hold on. This is tied to Israel? They're ex-Mossad agents that so work for them. They're ex-Mossad and they're working and for a called company the, called the Black Cube. It's called the Black Cube. That's scary. That's the company name. That's yeah, really scary. Go look up Rose McGowan, McGowan where she's trying to tell you they had, they sent a female that pretended to be a friend, make friends with her. I read the whole interview where they asked her, "Do you do you have any you know guilt about making friends with Rose McGowan and working for Harvey Weinstein to try to squash your story?" Harvey Weinstein hired these guys to get rid of anybody that was saying he was abusing them or any, you know, squash any stories before they got big. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's old news, Daniel. I'm not even breaking anything new there. Well, it's new to me. I don't know every little thing that goes on out there. Did you hear Harvey Weinstein, the people that he, he was, a girl that he was molesting said that not only did he not have a dick, he had a, a vagina? I heard he had some kind of weird egg-shaped penis. It's really small and an overly round. And a, and a vagina under that, I guess. I Ugh. don't know. What the means. fuck? He yeah, had a vagina? I don't think he has a vagina. And then he had to, and then he had to shoot something into his penis to make it rise, and there's a vagina underneath. What the fuck? Yeah, I caught some of that stuff on Twitter, that egg penis vagina thing. I That's Sick. I don't oh. imagine that's true. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if it's true. If it's not true, sorry, Harvey. But there, there's another side of it, too, because weren't all these women entertaining Weinstein because of what he could do for them, and they could become huge Hollywood actresses if they played along with his perversion? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, doesn't it kind of take two to tangle? The other, that? The other side, yeah, the other side. You wanted to be, you, you wanted to be famous. He wanted a bro job. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't justify or get, get right or wrong. I, I wouldn't, you know me. Who just but, called in? Isn't there another? Isn't there another topic? Who just called um, in? Who's there? Your guest. Hold dude, on, Todd. Your guest Todd, up Todd, hold on a second. Stuff. Somebody else just jumped on the line. Who's there? 
This is Al. It's Al. We got Todd and Al. I want to add to what Todd was saying about Harvey Weinstein. One of the one of the girls in court testified that he had a little nub for a penis with no testicles and there was a vagina underneath there in the middle. He did a, a palm plant on his face. Like, I can't believe he fucking told them that. This happened in court last week. So he kind of acknowledged the that. fact that he has a weird penis. He's a hermaphrodite. He might not he even be a man. Sexy. He might be a big fat girl. Yeah. He's got both genitals. He's got a little nub for a penis and for and no testicles, and she testified that he's got a vagina underneath it. He sure is horny for a guy with a fucking vagina thing. Have you ever heard of stories about aliens or reptiles? His wife won't have sex with him anymore. What's that, Todd? I was wondering, has anyone heard of aliens or reptilians having, like, two sexes reports? No. I've oh, I just heard that I've heard people alien, say they're hermaphroditic. Alien, alien greys have no sex organs at all because penis. they're cloned. The gray aliens are don't have a sex organ; they're clones. They're grown in a laboratory. So you can't screw in a, a gray because they don't have a a dick or a hole. <laughs> no, they're, they're grown in laboratories. They're clones. That's why they have no emotions. All right, man. And, and what about the other aliens? That's a soundbite right there. So, so you can't screw a gray. Oh, there's other, there's other aliens that do reproduce sexually, but freaking, you know, reptilian, reptilians are freaking laid like, or reptilians are come from an egg. The reptilian, reptilian females lay an egg. All right, then. The majority I want, of I want plasma that's collected. I'll take care of it and raise it as my own. Well, the majority of plasma that's collected at plasma centers is actually used to make formula for reptilian babies. Did not know that. The bloods. They take the plasma and they use it to mix with other things to make formula. Well, reptilians drink blood. They hatch. Reptilians drink blood. Like, they eat human flesh and they drink blood. You're going to drive people away from blood banks. Be careful what you're saying here. I don't give a shit. Fucking my plasma's poison to them. I got banned from them because I was killing their fucking babies. <laughs> why? Why are you banned? Because I was killing their children. It turned out my plasma was poisonous to them. Interesting. Well, I'm banned for event. life from going to any plasma center. All right then. No, but don't discount what Al's saying. Don't discount what Al's saying because Trump just announced the Space Force. We're getting ready to spend a lot of money on the Space Force. A lot of money above board. Not the secret money that we've been spending since the 80s. But now we're going to spend some more money above board. And what Al's saying might be true about... The aliens. Possible. There's definitely something I want to tell you about there. the chemtrails. Go ahead. Go ahead, Al. Those airplanes, you, those airplanes you see flying over doing chemtrails are not airplanes. They're fucking flying saucers with a hologram of an airplane on the bottom of them. They're called smokers. 
So the, the thing you're seeing is a hologram. Yeah, I've seen one fly over another chemtrail. Instead of leaving a stick figure like an airplane shadow, it left a big old giant circle about 500 feet, maybe 1,000 feet across. So it's a hologram that looks like a ship, a, a, a plane? No, there's a hologram on the bottom of the airplane to make it look like an airplane from the ground, but it's actually a flying saucer. Why would you have a hologram on the bottom of the plane that make, looks like a flying saucer? Okay, instead of a fucking hologram, how about just an image that's on there that makes it look like a freaking airplane, but it's a big... I saw that's one fly over that. another chemtrail. Uh, you know, you guys, I'm starting, to think, I'm starting to think there should be a podcast, the, Ta- the Todd and Al show. That would be pretty entertaining. <laughs> I'm vibing to this. Well, I don't, I don't I know. know. I, try to, I, I try to talk I out and around from these crazies. Sometimes I'll say... I saw an airplane, I saw an airplane leaving... I saw an airplane leaving a chemtrail, and when it flew over another chemtrail, instead of a little tiny airplane shadow, it left, made a big giant circle shadow going over it. Way about five times bigger than the airplane. I've seen chemtrails right, disappear, then. and I've seen chemtrail planes disappear. I've seen chemtrails disappear and reappear and then circle around a cloud into a storm. That same day I saw that circle over the other chemtrail. I saw the chemtrails disappear and then reappear miles later and then circle around a cloud into the cloud. Look, I'm I'm sitting under a giant cloud of chemtrails. So what? Not right now. Not right I now, am. Todd. The sky's clear as bell. I can see the stars. I can see the stars right now. I only live fucking two miles from you. Oh well, they they dissipated. Earlier today, you couldn't even see the sun, Daniel. It looked like an apocalyptic <laughs> movie with all the shit they sprayed in the sky. It is the apocalypse. Another thing I wanted to tell you Daniel. about that. Go ahead. Oh, you're talking, yeah, I'm talking to Daniel. About six o'clock in the evening, I was looking at the sun. You couldn't hardly even see it because it was coming through a chemtrail. Shit, it looked like an apocalyptic movie. The sun this evening. Well, the sky's no longer blue. It's white now. Another thing I wanted anyway. to tell you about, Daniel, was the coronavirus. It's a combination of three flu viruses, Ebola and SARS. I saw a map of the infected area in China, and the whole eastern half of China is infected right now. I think it's a purge. Well, they do have population problems over there, so if it is, that would make sense. Yeah. Because they're the number one. A billion and a half, a billion and a half people is too unmanageable, so they're just bringing their population down so they can fucking bring them into a more manageable state. If they're willing to tell people they can only have one kid and actually punish people for having more than one kid, then you better believe they'd do something like this. Well, here's a good one for you. They're not telling you this on the news, but frickin' they're incinerating a thousand bodies a night, dude. Oh, my God. You're not going to hear that on the news, but, yeah, they're incinerating about outside those. Outside those new mobile hospitals, they got incinerators, and they're incinerating about a thousand corpses a night in there. They're doing it at nighttime, so the rest of the people don't know about it. I believe it. I mean, get you all hyped up. It's hard to say. I mean, it's, it's almost from like China. Give them, it's almost like fire up or give them a shower and fire up the ovens. 
that's kind of what's going on over there right now. I, I have people telling me that it's fake, but I, I don't know. I mean, I can't judge something that's from China. I can barely figure out what's real around here. Uh, yeah, well, things are going to be getting real tight here. Pardon. I haven't, um, you know, mentioned it, but I'm learning a lot of stuff lately, Daniel, that's taking me down a rabbit hole where I'm like, oh, my God. Stuff you don't even want to mention because gets you banned on YouTube. Anything you can share with us at the moment? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're already doing that. They're already doing that. Who wants to push God through the wormhole? A little tiny over in England. Can't wait for over the end of the world. Shut up. Over in England, they're already censoring people on YouTube. All right then. Never mind. Wait, let, let's elaborate on this. They're trying to push God through a wormhole. Yeah. Yeah, what's that about, God? Explain yourself. They, wanna, they want the end of the world. They're bringing, if Jesus won't come back on his own, we'll make him come back. And not just Jesus. The end of the world so a Messiah can come back. And He's already here. Fulfill his. Prophecies written thousands of years here. ago. He's already here. Hey, working anybody in, working into in the that shadows. Crap? Is his name anybody Bernie Sanders? That crap? Up. Is his name Bernie Sanders? Or nope. Q? <laughs> is it Q? Is he Jesus? Anybody saying that Jesus is here and he's going to come and save you and follow him? Yeah. Beware, everybody, beware. He's not here to save the human race. He's here to save the world from the human race. I won't say it, but... Go read your Bible. Spit it out. Spit it out. It's going to take you 15 years after that to catch up to what's going on. Go, go ahead, Todd. Tell us exactly how you feel about the Bible and Jesus. I want to hear it. So does Al. The Bible was put together long after Jesus ever existed, if he, if he ever existed. And revolutionary, you know, if he existed. But powerful groups, the Roman Empire, they wanted to push their propaganda, get everybody in line. Get you in Romans there, didn't have a job to do it. Hanging on the cross. The Romans didn't anyway, want to kill him. The Jews got him killed. The Romans didn't the want Romans, nothing to do with it. The Roman Empire. If Jesus had told the Romans, Hail Caesar, they never would have killed him. Anyways. By telling the Romans, Hail Caesar, that would have showed his loyalty to the Roman Empire. They would have told the Jews anyways, to go fuck themselves on hanging with the cross. The power structure that runs the world, there's religious power structures and political power structures. Where I live, Daniel, the Mormons are the religious power structure. They're tied right in with the main Illuminati one world government eye in the triangle thing. They are they are very closely linked Joseph to the Smith Freemasons, Mason. right? Brigham Young. Joseph Smith was a Mason. 
Yeah, he learned all Joseph Smith. And Joseph, Joseph Smith, Smith said that uh, to Brigham Young. He said that there were uh, tribes of Israel, and one of the tribes became the Native Americans. Joseph, well, he claimed that Jesus came to America. He didn't stop over in Europe. He came over here yeah, to the he America. around the entire world after he got resurrected. Talked to all the Native peoples everywhere. And they buried the knowledge on golden plates that were buried in the ground that angels allowed Joseph Smith to dig up and translate. And that's what our whole well, foundation of the religion is based upon. Golden plates. And who gave them to him? He took they took them back. Yeah, and after he read them they took them back. So there's no actual plates anywhere because they got taken back to heaven. But there was some evidence he showed some something to a friend. His wife said, Where you know, what are you doing? He said you had to wear special glasses to read them. He called the glasses. You know the word heaven. The, the word heaven is Greek for out of space. Heaven is just a Greek word for out of this world, up in the stars, outer space. That's where the word heaven came from. The Greeks. It means out of space. So Al, world. Al, you you actually do believe in Jesus? Yeah. It sounds like. Like I said, he didn't come back to save the human race. He came back to judge the human race for what they've done to the planet and save the planet from the human race. Kind of like in that movie, Day the Earth Stood Still, the new one. It's like when uh, Kathy Bates asked Keanu Reeves, why have you come to our planet? He's all, your planet? This isn't your planet. Humans are just guests here. They're just like an animal. Just like all the other animals. They just live on this planet. Just like this a dead animal, like a raccoon over in the corner, just trying to eat a couple of kibbles. You mean a trash panda? Huh? Trash panda, yeah. Call trash. What's, a, trash, no, what's trash. a trash panda? Yeah, that's what we call them now, trash panda. Is that panda. a Chinese reference? Is that like a reference to Chinese? Because pandas only exist. No, because they all get in your trash. They look like little pandas, and they're all getting in your trash. There's no. They got the mask like the pandas got. Yeah, but pandas have a mask on their face. They got the little black spot around their eyes like a mask. Raccoons have the little black mask like the Lone Ranger. (laughs) So trash pandas are raccoons. Does that have anything to do with the conversation? (laughs) All I know is all my friends call them trash pandas. Yeah, we, we we've got some trash pandas around here, and they really do. God. I had yeah, one. I think there's one. Might be one right here. I had a raccoon trying to open my front door. Like he actually had his little black paws, and he was trying to turn the knob. That was trippy. Yeah, they can do that. They can come inside your smart. home. Um, oh yeah. We leave the doors unlocked. And Todd, you do not believe in Jesus. You think it's all a construct, it's all a hoax. It's not that. It's like whatever story you're hearing about Jesus, there is no way. Whatever you're thinking in your mind, a story that you heard about Jesus, if you try yeah, to be like him and his life, 
There's no. Yeah, it's all about love and accepting of everybody. They didn't yeah, even part try everything about Jesus down until three generations after he died. They never knew him. It was word of mouth. Oh, they, the Roman well, they started Empire writing books about him about years after he died. The Roman Empire was consolidating its power, and they realized we had to have an official state religion. And they became the Roman Catholic Empire at the Council of oh, Nicaea. That's, that's, that's when Constantine decided to abandon the other gods. So they'd stop fighting. He brought all the different religious factions together and said, no longer in Rome will it be allowed that people will disagree because they don't agree whether Je- Jehovah or Zeus is God. We will all agree on the same thing. And that's the case. This was a Greek idea. And this was a Greek God, not Roman God. Together. That's bigger than your Bible today. Yeah, so go back and study that history and your King James Bible, it's lacking a lot of stuff. Not to mean that it's not good. We're the main Roman God. Okay, I want to get your perspectives on a different subject. Real quick, you guys. Um, I want to talk about the end of days. Al, what what do you think about the end of days? Is it real? What's going on? And then we'll go to Todd. Um, it's going to be the end of civilization as we know it, but it's not the end of the world. The world ain't going nowhere. All right. How about you, Todd? So Al says the world will keep spinning. There's a flood coming, a giant flood, and it's going to wipe everybody out that Al doesn't like. I didn't say everybody um, was going to get killed. I just said everybody on the coast. Yeah. All the yeah. Lick- a giant catastrophe's coming. Right? The likes of which the world has never seen. Anyways. A big catastrophe. And Zeus was a god. Jupiter, Jupiter was the main Roman god. Zeus was a Greek god. The Roman mm-hmm. gods were Jupiter, Juno, Mars, Ceres, Neptune, Venus, Minerva, Mercury, Diana, Apollo, Vulcan, Vesta, Janus, Saturn, Quirinus, Poseidon, Salus. We don't need to hear every every Roman or Greek god. We don't need to hear that right now. Yeah, but you said the Romans were talking about Jehovah versus Zeus, and Zeus was a Greek god, not a Roman god. The main Roman god was Jupiter. Right, Romans. Just setting the record straight, that's all. Just setting the record straight. Romans. Right on. Romans believed in many gods. But when they came to the Council, they also believed that a bunch of the planets were gods. Jupiter, Mars, Neptune, Venus, and Mercury are all planets. Saturn, yeah, most, a lot of the Greek Roman well, gods were planets. Well, all right, ne- next topic, next topic. Okay, I want to talk about... Who are the Greek gods? I want to talk about ancient astronauts. This is very related. Were ancient astronauts real? Were we created by aliens? Go ahead, Al, you can go first. Yeah, we were created by Anki out of monkeys to mine gold for the Anunnaki. So you do believe in ancient so Zacharias Sitchin. No, I just know that Anki was the was the Anunnaki individual who 
genetically engineered monkeys into humans so that they could mine gold for the Anunnaki. Were they aliens? Were they like flesh and blood aliens? Yeah, they came from Nibiru. Okay, how about you, Todd? What do you think about aliens? Planet X. What's your question exactly, Daniel? So my question towards Al, I want you to answer the same question, was do you believe in ancient aliens? Were they aliens, and did they help create us? Yeah, you know, Eric Von Daniken had all those movies in the 70s showing how the aliens were building these pyramid structures and no humans could lift those rocks high into the Andes. Yep, I kind of believe in that. The Easter Island statues, Machu Picchu. Exactly. Well, there's a bunch yep, of there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of rocks down in South America that are like a, like stairs, like giants built them. Big I enough for giants to walk up. The, I think there's stuff under the water we haven't found yet because it's buried. Ancient caverns leading down to ancient civilizations. There's a, there's a cavern off San Francisco that goes all the way to Reno, Nevada that fucking submarines can drive in. That's where our nuclear subs get all their nuclear weapons is in Reno. Okay, next topic. There's a giant cavern that goes all the way to... There's a cavern goes all the way to Reno from the Pacific Ocean. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Al. Next topic. I want to ask you guys about Alex Jones and what you think of him. Go ahead, Al. He was cool at first, but he got bought out. Bought out by who? The Illuminati. They paid him off to freaking start spreading misinformation. Who's the Illuminati? Rothschilds, Queen Elizabeth, freaking, uh, built, anybody who's a builder goes to the Bilderberger meetings. Boom. There you go, people. Okay, Todd, um, your thoughts on Alex Jones? I haven't listened to him in weeks. It's been quite relaxing. Maybe about two months. No more Alex Jones. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear fear. Fear porn, yeah. No more Joe Rogan Fear either. <laughs> I love it when your guest tonight said, fuck Joe Rogan. Really? He is, she. Oh, yeah, because he's the gatekeeper. Look at him interviewing Elon Musk, Daniel. The richest man in the world now, Elon Musk. Here's Joe Rogan. He's just your average podcaster, Daniel. Interviewing the richest people in the world, it's all by chance. Yeah, you got a point there, I have to admit. You have, you do have a point. There's something It's odd. all by Here's chance, it. Daniel. It's just because Elon Musk is really cool. And don't forget that Elon Musk is dating Grimes, that really weird girl that does the alternative music. Everybody go look up some Grimes songs. Hey, uh, Daniel, you ever heard of a book called The Rise of the uh, Central Banking System and the Enslavement of Mankind? Um, not, I'm familiar, of course, with the topic, but not mm. familiar with that specific book. I have not read it, no. Well, Amazon just banned it last week. What do you mean they banned it? They, ban- they yeah, banned it from being available on their website. Wow, I hope Why did they ban that one? Why did they ban that one? 
because they don't want people knowing the truth about the Rothschilds and the central banking systems enslaving the, man, the human race. Haven't that story been going on for 200 years? Hasn't that story already been told? All I know is, about I know is Amazon, just, Amazon just banned that book from its website. Do you hear this, Daniel? Yeah, I'm very disturbed, and I'm not surprised. I'm going to have to look more into this, but that's... I I'm, guess we better look for that. Well, that's how book. I was convinced, actually, was the money. I think that that could be said for a lot of people that are into this sort of subject matter. Once you look into the dollar and the banks and who owns them, that's sort of the proof that we all sort of use to convince ourselves that this stuff is very real in terms of Illuminati and Elite and blah, 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 Cabal. NWO. Have you seen a Trump gold back yet? No. Have you seen a Trump gold back yet? Mm-mm. It's a new currency coming out, printed on gold foil. I want some of those. Those sound kind of cool. That's what's going to replace the American dollar here soon. I have a Trump silver dollar. And Jesus said, my... render onto Trump what is his. What is Trump? Yep. Because we all know Q is Jesus, and, and he backs Trump. Give, give I got it from Trump good authority that Trump, Trump was sent here. Trump was put God. in place by God. Trump was put in place by oh. God. I have good authority. I have good information. You have good that. information, so you can trust your source. So uh, implicitly. So Daniel, if he can trust his source, you know we could probably trust Al's source. But Al, you you are a big Trump supporter, right? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the one that put him in office. Okay. Yeah, he he caused him to get elected. Well, see, he started off his campaign as a joke. He he made a wager with some of his billionaire friends. Hey, how about I run for president? Let's see how far I can get. And they didn't expect him to go all the way. He won. He won the bet. Here we go. But when I first heard he was running, I was like, oh, hell yeah, that's a good kick in the nuts to the American public. Al, why did you put the last president in? Because I wanted to kick the nuts on the conservatives because they were pissing me off, George Bush and his fucking crowd. Why did you make a black guy president last election? I just told you I wanted to piss off the freaking conservatives. They were all supporting George Bush. Did you hear that, Daniel? Yeah, I heard it. That's for sure. I mean, that, this is fascinating. Not, not only did Al elect Trump, make sure he got there, but he put Obama in too. I thank yeah, you. Yeah, that Thank you. Um, I, 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 I Obama, thank you for Obama, your help with the Obama thing back. The, the Obama thing backfired. I wasn't expecting freaking gays to get married and all this other bullshit that I don't agree with. So oh, wait, hold on a second. So you you are against gay marriage, Al? I'm against homosexuality in its entirety. I think it's an abomination on God's work and creation. Okay, that is quite the Our, statement. How, how do you feel about it, Al? Uh, Todd, sorry, I called you Al. Todd? You still there, Todd? He doesn't like that subject. He's got a he's got relatives that are gay. I do too, but I disown them because of it. Well, you can say what you got to say. It's nothing, uh, you know, whatever, however you feel. It's it's end of days radio. We're just throwing our opinions out there. Yeah. Yeah. I was digging on your guest tonight. If you interviewed me and I was very eloquent, that was the interview right there. Which we... I'm an, I'm a, I'm an anarchist. 
I call my company Circle A Enterprises. We've been we've been Circle meaning a. to interview you, yeah. Al. We've been trying to, but we, we got to get we got to sit down yeah, and get you down and get you a webcam. I, I, I kind of got a big mouth and I kind of let stuff slip out that I shouldn't be slipping stuff out. And that lady that I don't like I don't like when me. I don't like when you talk down about gay or bisexual people. Leave those people alone. They're not hurting you. As long as they're no, not hurting you. They're Let hurting creators. Get out of here. You're not the creator. You don't know what the creator's thinking. Get out of those people's bedrooms. Leave them alone. <laughs> I, it makes me uh, sick uh, when I hear you. It makes me sick when I hear you getting down on gay people. Because they're not affecting you. Get out of their lives. You're not even even a part of their life. I'm not in their lives. All I said is I think they're an abomination. Do you see me hurting them? Do you you see me hurting them or attacking them physically? Yeah, I hear you on the air. I'm expressing an opinion. God doesn't like them. Yeah, well, the First Amendment of the Constitution gives me the right to say that I don't like them, doesn't it? That's why I'm a constitutionalist, because the Constitution gives me the right to say what I want, practice my religion what I want, and to bear arms. You can go and of course, say that you don't like anyone. Yeah, do it. But I don't but hey, if we like have that. If we have the right to bear arms, what are all the bears going to do without their arms? I'm just saying. Al and I have different positions on certain subjects. No, this These is the great. Right? We all have... Like I was saying, Please if you guys had a podcast, I would listen to that shit. Just listening to you guys go back yeah, and forth. Yeah, but the Constitution gives us all the right to say what we want. That's why I'm pissed off at uh, yeah, fucking Mark Zuckerberg because I, say whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, but I can't. Yeah, but I can't say what I want about gays on Facebook, or I get put in Facebook jail. It's happened a few times. Daniel, can you see how you won't? I'll hold on. Daniel, can you see how you don't want to censor anybody? Because you want to let numbnuts go on on their point of views so that we can all hear them. Yeah, well, this is freaking... No one will be able to hear this garbage. This expansion of homosexuality, the devil's fucking laughing his ass off at God over it. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I personally, I don't, I don't agree with Al, but I, I do welcome his opinion and his his right to have an opinion mm-hmm. and his right to, you know, totally. like gays or not like gays. That's that's his right to have the opinion mm-hmm. that he wants to have and his freedom of speech. So no, I don't here's, think here's, he should here's, be censored. Yeah, here's, here's the thing, I though. Would, would you, I, I would do. I, I defend uh, Nazis. I defend the right for Nazis, white supremacists. To have their freedom of speech rather than censor everyone because maybe there's Nazis that want to have their stupid opinion broadcast. Yeah, but you don't see Nazis, you don't see Nazis going out there and fucking killing Jews and blacks and shit like that because they don't like them, do you? There are no Nazis. It's a psychological operation that's being played out over no, the top of us. No, but it's just no, like... No, but it's just like freaking if I say I don't like homosexuals, they get all butt, butt hurt and bent out of shape. But if they say they hate white men and shit like that, I go, whatever, dude. You know, it's a, it's a freaking double right. standard. They can right. make fun of whoever they want, but they but you can't make fun of them. 
Yeah. Same with black yeah. people. They get all butthurt if you call them the N-word, but they're all constantly calling each other the N-word. You know? It's a double standard. So, so Daniel, Daniel, your show's so cool because you sat and allowed us to sit and debate this bizarre topic. Yeah, and I that's can't, I can't allow that. Number one, buddy. One thing I can't allow is the N-word, and that's purely because it would get the show shut down. And that's the only reason. Yeah, I, I didn't use the N-word. No, I, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying that's, that's the only, well, like, thank God you know, none if of there is, said that tonight. Yeah. if there is, like, any... Right, and, I was, and I was respectful enough to just call it the N-word and not the actual word. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but I'm not. I just think it's funny... No, but I think it's and funny if I call black man the N-word, he calls me a cracker. Opinion, in my opinion, in my opinion, it's so stupid that that would be your issue, Al. No, that just listen to me. If I call if I call black, no, you up. If I, no, 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 listen to me. If I call black man, no, listen to me, Todd. If I call black man the N-word, he gets all buttered and bent out of shape about it. But if he calls a white man a cracker, an old fair, a honky, we're just all whatever, dude. It's okay. It's a double. It's a double standard. No it's shit. It's a total double standard. There's a definitely bunch some of truth to that. Already covered this subject. No, just if, uh, if they call us, if the black man calls any of us any kind of name, we just shrug it off like whatever, dude. But if you call if them they call anything, you, if they call you why a they call white them, ugly cracker, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't get upset about it or offended by it. No white person does. It doesn't bother me. I've never met I've never met one white person yet that got offended by being called a cracker, an old fair, or a fucking honky. I've never met one white person gets offended by that. But if you use the N word on them, they get all buttered and bent out of shape and actually get kind of violent. I, I can't say I do not like being called well, a cracker. I almost got beat up saying that one time. I said that one time a long time ago before I realized that the term was changing. What, what did you say? Don? I was working on the job site. I was working on the job site. And I had some black guys that I was working with. And they were listening to some rap music. It's a long time ago. A long time ago, people. Maybe it wasn't that long ago. It was it was in the nineties, buddy. Oh. Um, but you worked at Mount Rabbit. Anyways, there were a couple cool bands that these guys introduced me to on the job site. We came. There was some, an East Coast black guy, and then there was a West Coast black guy that I ran into. And I repeated some lyrics from an album where I used the N-word because it was on the record. The West Coast guy was like, I'm going to beat it down for saying that. And the East Coast guy's like, he didn't know. He's all good. And uh, that's when I realized, oh, my God, this is hypersensitive term. I just repeated what they said on the record. And now someone wants to bash my school in. Yeah, and if you leave the R off the end, it's okay to say it. Let me tell you, let me tell you what that was. It was a... Uh, it was an album where it was the RBL Posse, where they were doing a, a skit, a gimmick, where this black guy is saying, N-word, your shirt looks like a curtain. N-word, your shirt looks like a 
dish rag. And they were laughing on the record. RBL posse. It's so funny. 90s stuff. I yeah, well, I call it black guy the N-word last year. I called it black guy the N-word last year at a truck stop. He got all buttered and bent out of shape, but I got off his truck and fucking tried to kick my ass. And I ended up kicking his ass. You kicked his Just ass. Just the fact that you're saying the word N-word is encouraging me. This guy was this guy was twice my size. He got all buttered because I called him a stupid N, and he got all buttered and climbed out of his truck and started a fight with me. And he hit my buddy in the mouth. I kicked the motherfucker's ass. Can you give us a After little bit of breakdown of how the fight went? Like, did he take a swing at you and you tackled him? And like, what happened? Oh, tell him, tell well, him, he, Al. He, he, he took a swing at my he, he took a swing at my buddy and hit him in the jaw. And so I fucking started fucking kicking him and hitting him and shit like that. And knocked his ass down on the ground, kicked him in the head. And then when my buddy came back with his phone saying he's calling the cops, dumbass fucking jumped back in his truck and fucking fled the truck stop as fast as he could. And afterwards, a bunch of truck drivers came walking up and congratulate me, shaking my hand and shit. Oh, damn. Well, Hold on, you got rid of that asshole. Uh-huh. Hopefully that well, wasn't my a, buddy considered called a hate the, crime. My, <laughs> buddy called, my buddy called the dude's company, and they said that the guy has a serious attitude problem. They've been getting a lot of phone calls about his attitude problem. Wow. And, and just Anyways, for, uh, yeah, for the record, uh, uh, End of Days Radio <laughs> does not uh, condone uh, calling anybody the N-word and uh, views and... Views and opinions stated do not violent, reflect the opinion of violent. End of Days Radio <laughs> or violence, et cetera. I wouldn't have called him the N-word if he didn't deserve it because he was a stupid truck driver and did something real stupid and almost hit my buddy's freaking truck. And like I said, my buddy called his guy's company and his company said, yeah, we've been getting a lot of calls about him. He seems to be some kind of troublemaker. He had a chip on his shoulder. All right, that's a very that's a very interesting story. There's there's even more interesting stuff to talk about that I wanted to talk to Daniel about tonight. There's a few there's a few interesting things happening, Daniel. All right, quick quickly, Todd, because I got to let you guys go soon. It's getting late. Quickly, yeah, we're, we're gonna get rid of this fantastic show. Love you, guest. By the way, Daniel, I'm not a, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist, Daniel. I like. I've got friends of all different colors. I just don't like people with a chip on their shoulder and an attitude problem. I think they're thugs and gangster wannabes and shit. Yeah, fa- fair enough. I can't uh, the, judge anybody just because of the words that they're using. That wouldn't be fair. If they're a bad person, Al doesn't like them. Right on, Al. It's like I asked. I wanted to ask that girl. You don't want government, but what do you? How do you deal with all these fucking thugs and shit that fucking think they can get away with whatever they want to do? You guys really like know how to, the cop here. You guys really know how to kind of tweak each other. I like that. Well, this morning the cops shot some dude well, that I'm they were serving a wrestling when he not, came out and started shooting. They killed him, and he was wanted for I'm murder gonna, up in Ogden because he committed a murder a week ago. I'm not going to sit and let let Al just railroad a story or try to get away with crazy. I'm not railroading nothing. Comments. I just want to live in a peaceful world where nobody has to worry about fucking being victimized. Yeah, that's why you don't like the gay guys and the black guys. I don't like gay guys because they're an abomination in God's eyes, and I don't like black guys because they all got a chip on their shoulder, most of them, and think that fucking the white man's been keeping them down still, even though they fucking we haven't been doing that for over 100 years. I thought it was about the rap music with the black guys. Oh, I hate that shit. 
I hate that shit. Fucking not yeah. all you hear on the radio anymore. But now it killed rock and roll. I like rock and roll, and that rap shit fucking killed it. We got a question from the chat. Oh, we got a question from the chat. Somebody's asking if you want to be able to use the N word. I think either everybody should get to use it or nobody should get to use it. I don't like it, but I think either everybody should get to use it or nobody should get to use it. They say they hate that word, but they're always calling each other that, right? Who? I don't really hear him calling them themselves that lately. I don't really hear him. Calling I hear him calling. Them. I'm here. I go to LA all the time. I'm hearing him calling each other that all the time. Eminem or Ice T or Fifty Cent? No, I'm talking about people on. The, I'm talking about people on the street. Mm. When a black guy's talking to another black guy, they call him the N word. And I think uh, either no, but they say they hate the word, but they're constantly using it. So I think either everybody should get to use it, or nobody should get to use it. All right, well, it's a we double standard. Your opinion on that. We appreciate your opinion on that. Hey, Dan, you want to know where the there word honky go. came from? Sure. Back in the fifties, when the white guys went into Harlem when they saw their favorite hooker, black hooker, they honked her horn, so they started calling them honkies. They honked mm. her horn to get the girls' attention. I did not know that. Does that make any sense at all? Sure does. Hong they came Kong. up and their horn. That's like they're calling honkies. Uh-huh. But yeah, I don't I don't I don't, I don't like that I don't like that word, but it just pisses me so. off that fucking they say they hate it and they're always using it, you know? Where'd cracker come from? Which one? Cracker. Cracker? That's what's cracking the whip. Back when they were slaves. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, you might be right on that. You might be right on that. I don't uh, know. Okay, I, I really think <laughs> we should not talk about something else now. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, this is after that crack in the whip comment. I, we got to change the subject, guys. See what you do. So what movies have you seen lately? Oh, the new Ghostbusters was terrible. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really you know. called to tell you about the camp trails and the... I'm really called to tell you about the camp trails and the... I'm going to call to tell you about the coronavirus and the chemtrails. No, no, Al, I appreciate you coming on here and giving us your opinion. I, I think it was some good radio. I think people want opinions. Well, so. this, this is America. This, this is America. Everybody has a right to have an opinion. Like I said, I don't hate black people. I'm not a racist. I, just fucking, I don't like people who walk around thinking, acting like they're gangsters, thugs. Yeah, don't come in here and try to change our vote, try to turn us communists. Don't try to shut down our freedom of speech. And don't think that communist that communist shit was part. Shush! Don't think we back don't in really 19- see you. Shush! Don't think we don't see you stealing our birthright. We know what you're what doing. Birthright? You're changing our constitutional system. Hey, that's not me. That's the Illuminati and the New World Order. In 1954, they decided that this century, commun- or China's going to rule the world we economically, and the United States. Are- Okay, so we got the another, another question. A communist country. Another question from the same guy in the chat. He's asking Al. He says, so Al, you want to be able to do something ignorant because other people are doing it? Question mark. No, I just think they need to quit using that word, period, calling it to each other. I've, I've been an idiot. They're the, they're the ones being, they're the ones being ignorant to each other by using it. I'm just saying they're being ignorant by calling each other the N-word. 
He's not racist. He's just really honest and artistically. Yeah, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I hate everybody. I don't care if you're black, white, brown, green, or purple. There are certain aliens I don't like too, like the gray aliens. Yeah. You know what they do? They feed on human enzymes. I've heard I've heard stories where they found humans hanging up on a wall, two thirds of their body missing while they're still alive because the aliens are feeding off them. Oh yeah, I've slowly I've while they're still alive. Like they have a big vat. They have a big vat and they stick like all the entrails and crap in the vat, and then it it absorbs into the gray alien skin. Exactly. That's the on that is true. People are supposed to be getting into love and stuff, and there's people's bodies hanging from the walls. It's never good. Well, yeah, but while they're still alive, not just hanging on the walls dead, they're still alive. They start at the bottom and work their way up. It's because they're keep them alive while they're absorbing the enzymes off the humans. It's because they're clones, and that's how the times day, don't you? That, that's yeah, how that's they, how they get their nourishment. Yeah, because they're just like they're worker drones, so they they get fed and kind of a uh, like okay. ants. Yeah, but except they feed off our enzymes through their skin, anymore. like you said. Valentine's exactly. Day is over. Let it rip out. No, but see, most we need to be more afraid of that shit than fucking each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, we shouldn't be afraid of each oh, other. Yeah. We should all be getting along and fucking banding together to stop these gray aliens from their fucking agenda. I agree. The gray ones? Yeah, the aliens are feeding on The reptiles? Yeah, we need to yeah. stop them, too. Well, why would you say, you know, start with the grays? Are they easier to kick ass on? Well, if you're not afraid of them, yeah. Out of our bedrooms? Just start well, with the gray aliens are just little night. skinny things. Like, I'm not afraid of them. I'll just Those grab the one of them. and come in while we're sleeping. So, I'll just grab it by its arm. No, but the majority of people, if they saw a little... Yeah, but the majority of people, if they saw a gray... The majority of people, if they saw a gray alien, they would freeze in fright. Yes. Because it's not the norm. It's something they're not not used to. Oh, my God, what the fuck? And they just freeze in fear. Everybody read Whitley Strieber's book. Go on. <laughs> All right, you guys. We've been we've been doing this for about over an hour, so I better let you guys go. I appreciate you calling in. Yeah, it's probably a good idea, Daniel. I wanted to say a few things, but go ahead, Todd. Quickly, Al here, go so. ahead quickly. Go ahead. Oh, real quick, real quick. Let's see. Coronavirus. Is it real? Is it not? Who knows? Maybe by the Daniel's next show. Maybe by Daniel's next show, we'll understand whether that's real or not. I love that show tonight, Daniel. Bring that girl back on there. Yeah, no shit, man. It's the best gift you've ever had, dude. Yeah, for sure. This girl laid it on the line. She laid it on the line and told me what everybody wants to hear. She was getting tired of hearing the Bible stuff he's been getting. I want to hear the last guest, too. I want him to bring on his weird, you know, um, drone, alien, weird shit coming down from the sky. So you're rocking this motherfucker. I'm sorry I didn't call you last show. I wanted to talk to your last guest, but I got to call in on this one and join the chat. Best show to date, Daniel. Number one show in the world. I'm out of here. All right. Peace. All right, peace. All right, you guys. You have a good night. Peace. Good night, Al. Yep.
Peace be with you, Daniel. All right. That was Al and Todd. I had to keep going with that because, <laughs> my God, the uh, <laughs> the fighting between them. It was too funny. It was like, man, it was just entertaining me. I had to keep going with it. But, uh, you know, we'll try to do that again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do that again. Like, get them both on the line, and then they can argue with each other. That's some good radio, I think. <laughs>